3: Thank you so much for all the support since day one.
0: That sounded pretty damn good. Schmidt. you've done this before, man. Um, All right. Buddy Nichols here. Um, We're on uh talking Schmidt.
1: I'm already not watching. Okay. i fucking yep. already clicked off that. Fucking bullshit.
0: that was boring. OK. <laughs> take two. Buddy Nichols here. You're watching talking Schmidt with six there. And I'm not a part of that one. I'm clicking it. You know, shit. You lost. Okay, we're going to get one. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned, Mocking Schmidt with this asshole and this one too, and that one. How's that? Did that work?
0: Holy cannoli. It's cool, like tonight is the
2: night. <laughs>
0: yeah. Our oh, big dogs in. Do we really want to be here? Everything's changed. We
3: on? schmidt Talking Schmidt. Talking man. Schmidt, dude. <laughs> you going to come out different. <laughs> shit, my pants. man. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. Holy shit. What about the one? The one? The one? Who is this guy
4: that thinks he's tough shit? What's up? Come on, Schmidty. what the fuck? Tell the skateboard police
2: to come get me. What is happening? I'm here for Greg Smith. Yeah!
3: Hey, from the people who brought you Fruit of the Vine, Tent City, and Love Letters to Skateboarding, just to name a few, and currently have their first narrative feature entitled Warm Blood, which debuted at the recent Seattle Independent Film Festival, this is both parts of the Six Stair Experience. Please welcome to the show Rick Charnoski and Cone Nichols, as P. Stone would say, chardo and bud bear come on let's do this let's go come on guys oh, yeah, right, fine. Fine. That's,
0: that's pretty good man i'll take it okay well, now you, he's watching he hasn't you're, clicked off yeah yet.
1: pro. i haven't clicked off yet hey. you're a fucking professional and if, you're also good at making every guest feel like they're your favorite guest i've noticed provoking the stoke.
3: you guys okay here's here's a true story i only do one-on-ones most of the time but For this one, I said, let's do let's do a three way. Menage a trois.
0: Let's do it. Well, you know, sometimes you got to get all six stairs in there. Rat patrol.
3: Well, hey, buddy, I'm not going to I'm not going to hate on you at all for that Boston Red Sox hat on. It's we're not even going to talk about it. We're just going to go right into like,
0: No, it's just a B for buddy. (laughs) It's a B for buddy. When I moved to Oregon when I was 15, all the guys, my nickname was Buddy from Boston. And that's uh, how they would all the
1: guys in Portland would say that. Buddy from Boston. Do you know how he got the nickname Buddy? No. Butterhead. Butter, blonde hair, young kid. Butterhead, fucking north, up in the fucking New England, man.
3: Because were you, were you born him? In- oh,
1: fuck. You can't use that accent. I'll get my ass kicked next <laughs> time hey, I then, go to Boston. Chowder,
3: chowder. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you born in back east, huh?
1: Yeah, no, I was my
0: folks went to college in North Carolina. So I was born. My folks had me and my brother really young in college. So we were born in North Carolina, but my uh, folks were from uh, Massachusetts. So we moved back to Boston when I was seven or maybe just turned eight.
3: What city in uh, North Carolina were you born in? Uh, Raleigh. Okay, because look at this. Uh Oh, shit. Nice. Greenville represent. Yeah. Uh, where were you born, Tarno?
1: Uh Allentown, uh, Pennsylvania.
3: D- Dan Pencil. Training mm-hmm. in Pines for Pines.
1: Yeah, I came first.
3: Feel me. And
1: my brother came before even that. Uh, same zone, though, right? Yeah, no. He came from a little bit east. He was uh, a little bit, yeah. over towards Bethlehem more or Northampton or something. But huh. yeah, fucking Pencil was. It's funny because, I mean, dude, uh, skateboarding. You know allentown was this was like skateboard fucking outer space like the desert of skate like it didn't exist at all there was no skaters there when we started skating yeah and to see like a couple kids come up after us was super cool man because we had yeah there was nobody before us i you know we just thought maybe we'll, don't let we, rob mertz hear that no well he, it was all <laughs> the same group it was all the same time so when we finally start moved on it was like dude there was a crew you know there's even a couple of folks that hit me up every once in a while like randoms from back in the day that's share old photos and and you know you see things occasionally on instagram but yeah it was cool to see that there was actually a scene that came I, you know what i'd be willing to bet that 99.8 percent of skateboarders in the lehigh valley allentown bethlehem would ne- not know who we were which is kind of interesting
3: Huh.
1: I don't it's there's zero connection between the old backyard vert ramps and what they're doing now. They
3: yeah, it's true.
0: Dan pencil knows who he is. <laughs> right.
3: That's right. And we know who Dan Pencil is.
0: Hell dude. One of the coolest guys on the planet. Shout out. Yeah. Are you guys coffee dudes? Hell yeah. Every day, dude.
3: What's your routine?
0: Well, I just got one of, I inherited one of those um, what are they called? The uh not uh what is it you know where you
3: french press no like you
0: have the little pods and you make the little fucking pods oh, toxic football uh net,
3: nespresso oh, those little no, no, no. we
0: have the bags you return it all right and recycle all the fucking pods now
3: okay. through yes yeah are, so. are you what how do you do it are you like hazelnut and tons of sugar or are you just black or what
0: no i do the i put the milk in the microwave heat it up and then put the double espresso into the fucking thingy. All right, because
3: I go to coffee with Becker sometimes, and I'm like, dude, it's that Beastie Boy song. I like my sugar with coffee and cream. The coffee's this, and sugar's this.
0: Yeah, that's good to see yeah. Becker still taking care of himself. Fuck yeah! yeah. Fuck
3: <laughs> I mean, Be- hey, I told him he's got he could make the next cheese and crackers. We just need to edit all his clips. Like, what the hell,
1: <laughs> dude? His scene, his scene. I was just up there. Um, cause he so graciously donated a van to the cause. Um, one of his old work fans, um, did his skate scene is fucking one of the coolest ever his warehouse with paintings and just this weird own art dungeon that he skates alone in. It's, it's the amazing. coolest. It's so Evan. I mean, you no, know, he's been like that since the beginning of time. Like I, know. I lived with him in the, in the nineties in New York in that loft up on the 10th floor. Um, and you know buddy introduced me to him when i moved to new york because he knows him from way back but evans always lived amongst his art and skated and painted amongst his art it's it's the same person i met him a few few years
0: before that in boston he was living with a mini ramp in his room and his dust on the floor and art on the walls he was that was probably 93. Fucking awesome, man. I fucking love that. To, all the way back to 93. The guys always had indoor skate shit. And See, I didn't mean until
3: later. I would have loved to known him in that loft era. Was there, was a mini ramp in there, right? Too? Yep.
0: That one where it's like had the uh, f- cement flat. It was like two. Yeah. Two quarter pipes, basically. Uh That was really cool on the sixth floor of a loft building. I think that loft probably rents now for like $15,000 a month Ooh. or whatever you know, it's fixed up, but the equivalent, that amount of space in that building where it was. Yeah. Easily 15 grand a month. And I don't know what it was then. We got to see
1: a good little in New York. We got a little, I moved up there from Philly right at the end of New York, like the nineties when you could still like go there and get a little piece of that, like whatever people went to New York for. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you know that I'm sorry, but that just doesn't, really exist there anymore and so we were super lucky man we got right before like there must have been some massive zoning law obviously before 9-11 before like the internet before all of those things that came and destroyed everything right um we had that fucking sick ass warehouse dude 10th floor we lived up there like had 400 bucks
3: there. each or something. Yeah, was insane. It,
1: it wasn't much. That's, like what it was like, that's
3: what it was like here. It was like you could yeah. live for 400 bucks each. It was like, what? The hey, all heck? you
1: got to do
0: now is go to like St. <laughs> Louis, you know, Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah, or St. Louis. Same shit. You know, those kids have in St. Louis, they got a whole church for free, right? Or something. And it still exists. It just ain't in New York or LA. I mean, that shit's dead now. You know, New York, LA, San Francisco are all dead. I you need know, the water
3: nearby, though. I need. The I know. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the a river. Tough thing. A river doesn't cut it. Man. Rich yeah. people like
0: water, too. And so whatever rich people like, you know, There's you can't good. you can't like because it's that, you know, what did Carl? Carlo McCormick has a line. The writer, Carlo McCormick, has a line in uh, Death Bowl Downtown, the movie we did. He says, uh, whatever you moved to New York for has been gone by the time you is gone by the time you got there, you know, like. I guess it's always been, you know, New York it's always has, been that way.
1: Is, is pretty famous for, you know, knocking, knocking it down and move, like, they don't wait around for anything there. That's New York always. Right. It's the beginning of time. It's been like that.
3: Uh-huh. Um,
1: you know, just fucking knocking down. What was it? The original Penn Station, which was that beautiful mm. glass. I mean, they just don't care.
0: <sighs> they try to tear down the Grand Central, All everything. New York is a canvas for rich people to fucking that spew Jesus. their crap on and once in a while you know weirdo art people and musicians get to live in between the gilded ages you know and feed off the fucking scraps with the rats
3: my my favorite one is like this happens in san francisco where the dude moves in next next door to like let's say bottom of the hill and then he moves in and a week later he's like hey the music's too loud at bottom of the hill Dude, you just moved next to a club. What the fuck are you like? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I moved next to the hospital and there's ambulances all night. Yeah, Yeah. that's the
0: classic. Yeah, of course. It's like a fucking idiot. Of course. This
3: dude, this dude emailed me the other day. Hey, I bought thrasher shoes at the store for my kid. I got home and realized there's six 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 on them. What the hell? I was like, you bought them. Like that thing didn't just appear, dude. Like what do you what do you mean? Well, what can I do? <laughs> so,
5: yeah.
1: Uh, well, how, how you been, Schmidt? Like how's the fucking talk to us a little bit about the I mean, fuck, man. Your scene, Thrasher, your fucking city, it's all been through a lot. <laughs> your city specifically, but like, Yeah. Things things are good up at Thrasher and shit, like
3: Yeah, I it's mean It's got to
1: be a fucking weird recovery.
3: Well, you know, when you like I started working there and Fausto was alive and then Fausto died and actually Phil died. And like, so like not to get too glum, but like driving to work a lot of times was a tough, tough thing to pull in the parking lot, not see Fausto's car, be reminded that Phil got me that opportunity and all that stuff. But then I worked 20 plus years with Jake and then and Preston, and, and they died and then hammocky died Anyway, long story short, I'm not trying to play a violin for anybody. I but, asked, man. But, no, it's but, real. It's, but it's, it's, been, it's, real it's, been, it's been like, you know, like it's, uh, it's a sense of like having this team and the team's gone and you feel like you're trying to acclimate to like new times and everything, but you still have the team echo in your ear that you're like, I kind of got to stand up for those guys and I don't really know what that is or how to do it or what to do. Yeah. You know. So there's a lot of like, I don't know. I've just been doing a lot of like uh, learning and like meditation and like trying to just become a better person every day. You know, like that's kind of yeah. like what I've been focused on a lot is just to like improve or learn something every day.
1: You just influence somebody. I mean, dude, you absolutely have to because <laughs> there's no preparation for this shit. There's no preparation for um, and, and and even when people tell you whatever it is. When you get old, you're not listening. You don't. Why should you? You shouldn't be listening. You should be right. destroying yourself. Yeah. In your youth, but um, yeah, man, a lot, a lot, a lot of folks. Well, I mean, we got hit real
3: hard in a three-year period, and, and yeah. everyone knows that. I don't have to say it, but like you know, Hubbard Felper. The crazy thing is, I learned this the other day. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you take uh, Preston's death day. And you take Jake's death day and then you take Hubbard's death day and you take the amount of time between Preston and Jake and the amount of time between Jake and Hubbard, you get almost the same number of days. Wow. Like, who's the numerologist
1: up there? No shit. I have two eighth grade
3: diplomas. Well, we did this documentary. You guys might have heard about it. Like, uh, the guy in the Red Sox hat, he had a big part to play in that (laughs) thing.
0: I think I was wearing a Red Sox hat in that interview, Mm -hmm. too.
3: Yeah,
5: yeah,
0: yeah. He was wicked fresh. Can I
1: smoke on the show or do I have to go
3: off? Yeah, yeah. Swear, smoke, get naked, do whatever you got to do. I like
1: to do all of those simultaneously
3: drugs, rock and roll. Hey, how did you guys meet, though? That's the big question. Oh, How and that... when
1: Jeff Phillips skate park,
3: 1998. No way I
1: was there. Yeah. Deep
3: in the heart of Texas, no, was not it... 98,
1: 88, 89, 89. I mean, 89. 89, 89. All right. Going back another 10 years.
3: Was it true love at first sight? Like, was it just like you were on one deck? He was on the other deck. I was like, I know. You know what it was?
0: <laughs> I, I was coming from Oregon. Our crew was me, my friend, Davey Rogers, ah. red mark. Red was with us, but he ended up staying in Phoenix because we had met Shaggy and those guys there. He can right. tell
1: his version because we have yeah. good. I mean, it's similar exact thing, but two different stories. I love coming it. From two different coasts. <laughs>
0: and So we got and we were with this other guy, Job. Anyway, we got to the the Jeff Phillips skate park in Dallas because that was like the one indoor park that was sort of where it was warm. You know, you could go get warm, be warm in the winter. Right. indoor park. Everyone wanted to meet Jeff Phillips. I mean, at least amongst our crew. Yeah. And that was a big draw. It's like, Whoa, there's a skate park where you can go and skate with Jeff Phillips every day. That's insane. Like that's, and it's warm and it's indoor. Like that's like, duh, who wouldn't go, you know? So we packed up, we went, my friend Davey was riding for skull skates. He might've had a model or maybe not yet. Anyway, Rick was with Dan Tag. Dan Tag did have a model on Skull Skates. So it was like a tribal tattoo graphic. Do you remember that? It was like bright yeah. orange, black tribal tat graphic. Anyway, so we got down there and we didn't obviously have a place to stay. You know, we showed up into town, no place to stay, didn't know Jeff, you know. The, and so it was like, we were scheming. We were on one side of the deck like, oh dude, what's our in with these cats? You know, we heard like Bernie O'Dowd, they're with Bernie O'Dowd and Bernie O'Dowd had an apartment huh. right up the street. We're yeah. like, what's our in dude? How are we, we don't want to sleep in the car again tonight.
3: Brian you know, Pennington. Whatever. We stayed at Pennington's when we went.
0: Brad. And so we pushed Davey over, like, Davey, go talk to Tag, man. You guys both ride for Skull. Like, we're in. You know, that was like, duh, of course. Yeah. And so Davey went and talked to Dan. And then, you know, so we had eight dudes in a one-bedroom apartment. Bernie <laughs> lived in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I was coming down from Pennsylvania. This was post-high school because, did you graduate in 87?
0: I graduated in 88. I was in college at the time, but yeah. taking a semester off i always took the winter off to go skate
1: i got out of school and it was like you know road trip california obviously you know it was fucking on I was gonna go be a pro skateboarder i mean i wasn't really the plan, but i mean just the idea of just go fucking get with it now i'm out we knew these guys from the mags too you know
0: what i mean like they had already had like checkouts and uh-huh. Blah, blah, blah. And ads, you know, whatever. Go on. So we knew who they were. It wasn't like they were strangers. Like We're like, oh, okay. those guys, you know. Right.
1: Whatever. But this is how fuck skateboarding was, dude. You drive halfway across the country to go live somewhere that had a vert ramp. Quietest five-hour drive you ever done. Yeah. Like, that was the point. Like, okay, Texas, obviously good crew down there. The main thing was Gorholski <laughs> was down there. He just mm. moved down here. Whoa. That was another draw, yeah. And, and Murph. And Jim Murphy.
0: Murph yeah, Murph and Gorholski
1: just moved down. So we came down with I drove down with Murph and um, and Tag from from Jersey, Pennsylvania, because, you know, it was all the same trip. we were all in Philly at the same time. Right then. we were all living in Philly. Me, Murph and Tag. So we went on a road trip, got there. And I think my mission was to go to California. Yeah. But I didn't really know yet. So we went to Florida Stone Edge. It just opened Went to Florida. Were you they- with Donnie Meyer, too? Oh, yeah. Donnie Meyer and Scott Stanton. And
0: Scott Stanton, yeah.
1: Yeah. Donnie the whole Zorlak crew. Sam Woo! Meyer. Sam and, yeah. Di- Sam and Donnie and Scott Stanton were all in Dallas, too. Anyway, we all ended up in Dallas. Like I said, dude, it was the time when it was the was only really, place to go. It was like, a really good vert ramp. It was a really good place. You could skate every day indoors. Jeff Phillips owned the fucking place. Yeah. It was a huge scene.
0: it was Like, deal. everyone
1: was there. It was just a really good crime.
0: Crum was there as a little kid. So we
1: went. And so I lasted not that long because Stanton and Donnie and Sam Meyer had a car, and they were driving to California.
3: California's gone crazy. And I
1: was yeah. like, "Well, fuck it, let's go to California. We're gonna skate pools the whole way across." So I, I ended up there with you guys. We met, like and then you guys stayed, weeks, yeah. and we moved. On. We actually
0: ended up going to Stone Edge. We were on exact opposite trips. Right? We were headed to Florida, right. and these guys were headed to California. So we crisscross applesauce.
1: <laughs> so then we got to. Um, on the way to California, we got to um, Arizona, and that's where I met Red. Yeah, we had dropped Red, red off in Arizona. Bubble, yeah, and we were stay. We stayed with a- another dead guy, fucking um, Steve Schneer. Oh. We stayed at Steve Schneer's house. That's like, when Donnie- that's when Rick drew Steve Schneer's back cat, which was a tribal <laughs> two naked women in a tribal design. From the top of his neck to his <laughs> butt crack. I fucking drew it. He paid me, dude. It was amazing. Imagine being on a road trip and some dude putting a shitty sketch in front of you and be like, dude, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks if you draw redraw this for me. Ooh, but wow. I, do I threw a couple extra flares on the tribal. And uh, Tribal you know, was hot
0: in 89, dude. Yeah.
1: and um, Still hot. And I drew his fucking tat. And then it ended up, I can't believe it. I think it was a board graphic
0: first. It was. It was. I think it was a board graphic for uh, Airborne, right? Airborne who the fuck is gonna watch this? This is gonna be the worst rated
3: show
1: ever. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> the that's worst what, of, that's the history goal. ever. <laughs> Talking Schmidt, dude. <laughs>
3: that's all on me, though. You guys are great. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're but great. You're that right. was our
1: You're story. Right. Thank you. Um, that was our story.
3: Well, so uh, I mean, what was the co- what was the cosmic connection that like? Did you exchange numbers? I mean, there was no email or nothing like No,
0: we didn't see each other for years. We didn't that was done. Like, oh. you know, I went back to Oregon. He so went back it to wasn't Philly.
3: alive at first sight and you moved in together nope, and started six there. No, no, no. We didn't
0: <laughs> hang out uh for Until, years and then New York. We but I live I moved to New York and with maybe, another
1: dead guy, Andy Kessler. Shout yeah. out Ooh. at his fucking ramp
0: up in 108. Yeah, I was yeah. I was living in New York by right? 95.
3: Oh my friends were. no 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 it wasn't Andy as a matter of fact. I no, was but like, Andy was there that day, dude. Yeah, he we were yeah. skating
1: 108, and I remember you talking about going to Amsterdam to shoot the fucking cannabis cup with Juan. Right. And I was like, whoa, dude. And I was like, hold on a second, I fucking know this. I went down, buddy's talking about this fucking thing. I know the voice, obviously, and psh, we met again. Yeah. Yeah. Then you split, and I was like, fuck it. I moved to New York. I had a picture frame shot shop with Antag in Philly. And I sold that, and I just, I don't know what's next. I wanted to go travel. So I moved to New York, but not that that was true. It was two hours up the road. But I had, a bad, I had a knee injury, had got knee surgery. So I had to fucking plant it for a while for like nine months. And I moved to New York, met Buddy. And that is. We were both already into making video. You know, like I was, me and my buddy Juan. We're on our
0: way, like you said, to Amsterdam to shoot a, the cannabis cup video for High Times. We uh-huh. made, we made the, our bud, my buddy, our buddy now, uh, Juan, worked for High Times. And so, you know, like I was working at a TV station, making little videos, whatever, in New York, you know, just shooting shit or whatever. Yeah. And uh, Rick was doing his thing, had gotten a video camera. And so just coincidentally, we ended up in the same place with the same sort of like post skate Passion, you know what I mean? Like not skate, but like up
1: in fucking ninety five. Yeah, but you know how it like, is. Like, hey, like when you're, you're ancient, we can't skate. Yeah,
0: more. I mean we we're gonna make money off skating or anything. I never did. He had his, you know, like
1: I had a Zambu ad. I used that yeah word.
0: Yeah, he had a Zambu ad. You know, he he made it. Um, got a checkout in Transworld or Power Edge or something, and you know whatever.
3: Yeah, but did, were you still around when Slap started or no? Oh,
0: yeah, hell yeah, yeah yeah yeah.
3: You you got in Slap? You get a Dawes photo.
0: Well, gotta, not till years later, not till like one of the last issues. We both got <laughs> double pagers in, a, in the in the and
1: We did. Yeah. We did get photos <laughs> of slap before it died. <laughs> Good story about a photo I hadn't slapped was. Um, Check
3: that off the list.
1: Yeah. So I was like, hey, man, we got to go to this pool. I got to get an ad for Dustin or a shot for Dustin, blah, blah, blah. So we go to this pool on Sunset. I got a parking ticket. Do, and and then you got a photo. the. Dustin didn't get anything and he took a picture of me, which I didn't even really know ends up as this big fucking picture. And all there, uh, the only thing I heard about that was Jake pointed out, that's a bail.
3: <laughs> Backfoot. foot <laughs> it wasn't
1: a bail dude. Anyway, that's my story.
0: Okay. If he ever had skated with Rick, he would have known that rock and rolls on the hip are a lock <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think it was back Smith over the
0: light. Oh, oh, that one. Holy
1: shit. You're with punk rock Matt. Right. 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 I remember that. That's right. I forgot oh. about that. Yeah, I'll fucking give anyone a hundred bucks if they can find that picture. I haven't seen it since I looked at the magazine. We gotta I, have it in the. We gotta have it uh, somewhere.
3: I bet you Dawes has it. He's pretty oh, good sure. at archiving his stuff.
0: Yeah, we got it. We got all it somewhere. Right.
3: Were you guys? How did you get into the the video stuff though? Did you go to school at all, or did you just like take photos your whole life, and then when video cameras came on, it was a natural progression, or what?
0: I my buddy Juan got me into shooting video like when I wanted to move to New York. He's like he wanted me to move to New York, you know, like because you know how it is. You want your homies to move where you live. And yeah. uh, it's like in 94 or whatever. And I was sort of like kicking around. My father in law had given me a, a high eight camera um, oh, okay, to use, you know. So I was down in Atlanta at the time living there and I was shooting the shot vid with Thomas Taylor when we have footage of grants.
5: Come on, we put him Tom. on a
0: skateboard for the first time. <laughs> First time, put Grant on a skateboard and pushed him around on the porch. On his front porch. Yeah, on, on his, his front, front porch. porch. And uh, so that was when I started. I got into video through Thomas Taylor. Wow. Uh, shoot, shooting with his, for a shot video in like 93 or 94. Torque and Stratosphere, you know, like. And so then my buddy Juan calls and say, like, hey, I'll quit my job and give it to you if you move up here at this TV station. I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to do stuff with video, you know, or whatever. Mm. So I was, you know, jumped at it moved up to New York. Sure enough, lived up to his word, gave me the fucking job. He was tired of it anyway. And so I started learning like the basics of editing or whatever for TV news. And then when Rick moved, it really was like, this is maybe a couple of years later, it kicked it more into high gear of like, Oh shit. You know, like this guy has his set of ideas. I had some ideas, but it's like, it's easier when you don't know. Sometimes like when you don't really know how to do something, it's sort of easier to like bounce off each other of like, Hey, we can both fuck uh, this up together, you know, and kind of figure yeah. it out a little bit, you know, cause right. he was, he had done a really couple really cool projects already. So, I, you know, and I had done some little projects and was just shooting all the time, you know, trying to figure it out, you know?
3: Huh. And, and did uh Charno, did you start with film too? Were you doing super eight before video?
1: If you want to re- refer back to uh <laughs> Future primitive, Ooh. you'll see me standing next to the Virginia Beach half pipe contest. Caught right
4: ride here, got three quarters of a mile from here yesterday. Today they took me right to the spot, man.
1: With a Super A camera in my hand. My mom gave me that fucking Super A camera
0: from
1: Damn, graduation and I lost it on that trip. But, but have, we do have the footage. I have the footage. We have the footage from that camera. But there's this amazing shot of this kid freaking out next to the ramp going crazy and I'm sitting there with my Super 8 camera. And it's the funniest thing. So many people have sent me the photo, you know, like just random sighting. But I got a super eight camera and I was super into shooting super eight. I was super tight. You know, my best growing up skateboard buddy, Geoff was a photographer, Geoff Graham. Power edge. And uh, so
3: I've heard that guy. Yeah. We had scenes
1: and we were just always into documentation of our scene always. And so, I then got a video camera with Tag. We bought one together when we had a picture frame shop together in Philly. And that's when he got that video camera and Tag took it first. We owned a business. Tag and I owned a picture frame business in Philly together. And um, we had to take off time off from the shop. It was our first vacation since we owned a business together for like two years. We worked so fucking hard. We never took him in up. All- Tag's like, all right, we're getting a video, finally made some money. We're getting a video camera and I'm going on a skate trip, and yeah. you hold down the shop. He went to Florida with Grahalski on a road trip and came back with the fucking sickest video. I'm laughing because I remember it in the was video. Just, so funny. He was doing skits and just all this funny shit and skating. And I watched it. It was like on camera. Edit. I still have the tape. Yes. Yeah, I remember seeing that fucking clearly hitting play and watching that and just being like, <coughs> oh, dude, this is it.
3: That like, inspired you? Like, I got to do this?
1: Absolutely. Just the, yeah. it was the first person ever grabbed the camera. He was doing funny shit, little skits saying fucked up shit. He had like a, a rolling kind of dialogue going throughout. He was fucking with Graholski the whole time because that's what we always did. Graholski is just like just sort of like we could fuck with him and and he would just yeah, he would just love it because huh. I don't know why he just thought it was he did. He, we would do it. He was super quiet guy and we just get loud. <laughs> um, So Grahol Karolski and tag made the best video ever. And that was when I got psyched like ninety
3: four, five, 94, Okay. It's like an wow. extension of
1: making zines.
0: I mean, we both made zines in high school, you know, separately by, yeah. you know, obviously on our own respective scene and it, for me, it was just that outgrowth of always, you know, doing, you know, trying to showcase, you what know, you your, got
3: the creative uh, genes and then you're learning how to tell a story with your creativity.
0: Yeah, just it was yeah. all
1: pretty natural, dude. It never it was a thought. It was just about how are we going to finance it, how are we going to pay for it, how are we going to get back put the, this together, how are we going to find someone to edit? You know, right. all this shit was, and uh, it was a lot of it was also remember
0: like when we made Fruit of the Vine. You know, a big part of it was like, how are we going to? You know, we both you know getting to be thirty or whatever, and it's like, oh, one thing never did in skating is ride enough backyard swimming pools, you know, it's like, that's like bucket list, you know, ride a bunch of pools or whatever. How are we going to do it? Oh, I bet if we brought a video camera and made a movie out of it, guys would show us pools, you know, or whatever. Ah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's like, cool. Let's think of like some weird spin on it, you know, like, oh, cool. We were both by that point, you know, had we had this camera shop in New York where you could still buy new, like dead stock of super eight cameras, you know? Um, So we had a few brand new cameras and, you know, we had a little, pharmacy in the West village that developed film. And, you know, so we could do it, you know, uh, we had the infrastructure, it wasn't was shoot
1: film. There was like a ho- like a major hobby. Yeah. yeah the yeah, excitement was, of getting film back, dude. Yeah. Cause we were just, just walking around like town, it, shooting film and
0: shooting ourselves skating, you know, wherever we we're skating a little
1: bit here and there. And it's like, all right. And interested in documenting. Like we, the thing about fruit of the vine that buddy was animate about was the, interviewing, documenting, talking, you know, it was the first time I was from the the news. Yeah. Yeah. It considered like, you know, wow. Okay. There's, there's a story, there's a history, there's something interesting about skateboarding, you know, besides just skateboarding.
3: Right. I
1: never thought of it ever before like that. Like we're this, we're doing our own thing in the back. Yeah. Build our own scene. That shit didn't took a long time for skaters to start thinking like that, like celebrating their own history, their own that the, nobody cared. We're in the still in the middle of in the mid 90s. We're still in the middle of trying to destroy our history as skateboarder. You know, it was just like I look at it as like the rebellious teen years, kind of like the 90s, like it right. was a whole new wave of shit that came and everyone was just like, fuck you, old people, bowls and raps. And it's like there's no. too much
0: shit being invented to yeah, and it dwell was exciting. on the past. It was, you know, it was like, just like
1: the evolution right in that time. But then remember like fruit of the vine Good. too, it was like
0: that thing of like, we had a, uh, you know, like I said, we had this camera store where we could buy brand new cameras for like 35 bucks or whatever. It's still, we still have some on the walls and, you know, it was like, oh, you know, you know, it'd be a cool shtick. Like with making a thing about backyard swimming pools is why don't we use the medium that they used in the sixties showcasing suburban life? You know, they use super eight camera, you know, like that's what all those old, Films of, you know, the 60s and the nice car with the fins and the yeah, suburban yeah. sprawl. And, you know, it just but also
1: like, what does it sound like? What's it like when you put sound to it? Yeah, like, that was our big. And that goal, was the big thing was to like, make a film with this scratchy old thing that you never heard sound with and, and put sound to it. And you like, needed like, two people, you know, you needed
0: that. somebody to do. Right, right. Sound and shoot video. We would get the sound off the video, obviously, you know, and then someone to shoot Super 8. And so it was kind of a two-person thing. And we got super into uh, the Mazels, you know, which are brothers, you know, one's the sound guy that asks the questions, the other one shoots, you know, and they did all their own work. They didn't really have assistants or whatever. They they were a two-man crew, so they could cover everything, you know. They didn't need to hire out, you know. They could – they could the sound guy could produce and blah, 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 you know. So it's like sort of that classic model, you know, of
1: uh, – The Mazels were a huge inspiration yeah, because yeah. it was a team of – Two brothers that just, I mean, dude, the films they made were so immersive. They were just like fucking in there with people, like with cameras, just rolling 16. And it was just like, "Whoa, man, these two, it isn't some uh, elaborate film crew or something like that's out of reach. It was like, here's two motherfuckers, one with a microphone, one with a camera. And they're just like grabbing shit. They're just actually just.
3: Yeah. Keeping it raw.
0: Yeah. And being obvious about filmmaking, you know, making the film is isn't a secret you know like how like a lot of things are like oh it's got to be clean or like you know that era where you know in skate photography where there couldn't be anybody else in the photo and I always thought that was so weird I was like I've never skated by myself you know mm-hmm. like why does every skate photo have to not have another human being in it to be a good considered a good skate photo remember like that was like a huge and I get it you don't want to have like a guy directly behind the dude skating or whatever you know but but it seemed odd always to me.
3: That's the era where the photographer and the filmer thought they were more important than the skater. Yeah.
0: Right. Or like a personality. That never
3: be the case.
0: Yeah. But now it's come full circle, you know, I mean, making the thing is part of the thing, you know, like, so I don't know. I think it's because it should all be celebrated. It's all what we've always, skaters have always documented themselves, whether it's through photos or zines or video or whatever, you know, it's always been a desire, you know, like, uh, of yeah. skateboarding to self document and to sort of insane with punk rock, you know, cause nobody else was doing it, you know, like nobody else was gave a shit, you know, or whatever.
3: Um, yeah. No, that's how the skate rock trips were. We were like made sh- yeah. like people were in the back. like, like, no, uh, no, don't do that. It yeah. doesn't matter. We're here. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But how come, uh, I got a question. How, how did you both end up? Not you guys. It's not that you don't like you actually hate the Beatles.
5: What the fuck is
3: that? The Beatles? How did you know that? <laughs> I got friends.
0: Wow, I definitely hate the Beatles. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? I got it's payback because my older daughter is a huge Beatles fan. And so I have to listen to it, and oh, and, oh my god, I fucking—it's
1: interesting. It. The Maisel shot the first the Beatles yeah. when they first came to America. That's right. Filmed. Oh, really?
3: That U.S. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, but they, what they, is it? Are they overdone? Like it's too no. My just- house
0: was a my house. I grew up in a Rolling Stones first Beatles house. My mom was Rolling Stones, you know, didn't get along with my stepfather <laughs> too well, and he was a Beatles guy. So, so he, I just instantly hated whoops. the Beatles because, hey, I don't like them anyway, you know, period. But I was Rolling Stones guy because. I like my mom's taste in music. She's jazz and cool rock, you know, or whatever. My stepfather just like other shit, you know, whatever. So that's my story. I don't I just don't I like the music. Huh. Are you a Beatles fan like Farmer? Or are you like, a... yeah,
3: me and Farmer talk this morning. Well, me, me and my wife just saw McCartney last week.
0: Ouch. could The only thing I could think that would be worse than the Beatles is Paul McCartney by himself. I saw Paul really? McCartney at
1: Dodger Stadium and it was pretty fucking lame or wings wings. Maybe that wings is probably the lowest.
3: The lowest was when Paul McCartney was in the wings and he had his wife playing the piano and then put it up in the air, like celebrate. It's like, no, she did not write Abbey Road or any of that other. stuff. like, come on, what's going on here? Uh, Well, that brings me to this question, because me and Farmer are religiously on this one. Best American rock band of all time. Have you guys been in these debates? Yeah, we've had a lot. Yeah. I mean, I last time we I mean them, buddy, you're you're an Aerosmith guy by nature with the Boston. The, album, my first right?
0: concert. Yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, Cape Con Coliseum. I've seen
1: uh, Aerosmith. I mean, but honestly, the Attic was their only album, man. Every small that <laughs> was good, but Toys in the Attic was the fucking and best. Toys in the Attic was pretty good. But, you know, coming up
0: in Boston, Jay Giles Band was like first, you know, with Freeze Frame or whatever. That's like the first uh-huh. time I remember. notice knowing that bands were from places you know like because i was probably only nine and it was you know people people were really into the fact that jay giles band was from boston you know and then obviously it was the cars you know and Rick casick and and so from my era the band that people were proud of being from boston was definitely the cars aerosmith was like america's band already by 1980 you know or whatever they were huge you know they were obviously People were stoked that they were from Boston, but they were had moved on. You know, they were like beyond that. The cars were like a local, local. But do they,
1: that's the. I mean, the big part of this. They still live debate in is like where do you cut it off? What's rock and roll? You there's know? a
3: lot of rules. Jimi Hendrix not a band. Bob Dylan not a band. Like there's all these like that's not a band. And I'm like, Elton John, wait.
0: classic rock.
3: I was like Jim Jimi Hendrix experience that was a band. I thought like, come on, uh, but. I did. Lit, I, I've been reading this Led Zeppelin book and uh, it talks about Perry when he was a kid. He took a bus three states to see Led Zeppelin and he came back and told fucking the guitarist. He's like, this is what we got to do. Like he he was blown away by playing. Yeah, I could definitely page. see that
1: connection for sure. For
3: yeah. Certain. So I don't know. Slayer
1: without question is the greatest American rock bands. Slayer. Times 100. Yeah.
3: See, I always thought it was Van Halen, but then they said, "Well, oh, can on, can can, can you represent with Hagar?" And I was like, "No." And they're like, "Well, then that's negative point points."
0: Uh,
1: well, you got to take away from Hagar. Yeah, yeah dude, I mean, uh, fuck, sure. I really blew it by not saying Van Halen, but I mean, dude, still Slayer, it's just camping Slayer. Just right. you can't even step to the fucking god, I don't know
0: what I would say. Of that
1: I would probably change Nobody, a,
0: ever. different days, you know. Uh, How
3: great. about Devo? Can we throw Devo in there? D-
1: no. Nope. Devo, oh. it's not rock and roll.
3: Wait, is Devo punk?
1: New wave? They're just yeah, they're their own. They're Devo, Devo. Just,
3: they're not men? They're Devo, yeah. You know?
0: What do you think, Colin? I mean, like, I wouldn't say that the Cars are the greatest American rock man. Right? I, I would say they're Ooh. probably the best band out of Boston, but proletariat, but proletariat is yeah. That That's they, they might be one of the best. I mean, Boston had we were lucky as kids. You know, we had the proletariat, the Freeze, Jerry's Kids, Gang Green, SSD, Gigi Allen. That was like. Our local bands, you know, not including DYS, Dag Nasty, fucking, you know, you want to keep going. I mean, there's,
3: yeah, ooh, it goes deep. Yeah. You're going to claim Dinosaur Jr., too?
0: Well, that's Western Mass. We didn't, I mean, we didn't claim anything past Worcester, you know, in terms of like
3: <laughs> those are counties uh, over there. <laughs>
0: it's just different. It's a whole different Western Mass had their own trip. Um, okay. But, you know, Rico Kasich produced Rock for Light, you know, I mean, he's, I mean,
3: bad pretty- brains. Smaller stint, but a lot of impact.
0: I think I, th- I would say the Bad Brains are probably, to me, the best like hardcore band mm-hmm. or punk band. You know,
3: man, it gets but it's too- tough. You know,
0: yeah, I mean, you, you got
3: it. I mean, there's so many avenues for debate but that makes the conversation fun, especially when you're at the bar all night, drinking get eaten and yeah. talking shit, and then you're like,
1: hey, mean, "Wait, what about?" <laughs> you spend more time trying to fucking alter the rules because there's too yeah. many variables. And then it's like, do
0: you let, like Canada has some really good bands and blow obviously it, it down. the UK and well, I mean, because Thin Lizzie to me, is like probably the best rock band, you know, up at least in the top two or three yeah. rock bands of all time, you know, and they're, you know, but then you got ACDC from Australia, saying, you know, AC/DC is, AC/DC is one of the bad. top, you know,
3: and ACDC is pretty. Pretty band. hard to beat. Yeah, I mean that and, one is played in my car stereo more than any other band. I think for sure.
1: Yeah, it's. Yeah. And they transitioned from singer to singer and pulled it. Yeah, yeah. It I mean definitely not as
0: good. Bon Scott years are definitely better, but you know, right. yeah. Yeah. Farmer's turned me on to a lot of good shit. You know, like yeah. I didn't know UFO before I met Farmer.
3: And now another first impression with Tony Douglas
4: Farmer. I first met them. In Salba's front yard, way back in uh, April of 1999, and uh, I will never forget it. It was quite a day. And the thing, you know, the thing about going skating with Salba is, is you know, there's going to be other players involved, and it could be, you know, some legendary top pro, Lance. It could be, you know, new hot guy, Tristan Rennie, whatever. It could just be a, a, a busload of the biggest fucking Barney's you ever met in your life, but. It's gonna be someone, and on this particular day, it was Rick and Buddy, and I will. I can picture it so perfectly. The sheer excitement, especially on Rick's face, and him uh, coming up to me and going, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." So, dude, uh, you, 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 you do this all the time, man. We, we've 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 never skated with Sal before. I'm tripping out, and uh, which I get it, man. I'm because I I I remember when uh, when when I first started hanging out with stevie anyway we uh this is when they were out from new york and first um filming stuff for what became the fruit of the vine documentary and uh we just fucking hit it off and had a great day skating it was the first time we ever ridden that big howard johnson pool we wrote we some slippery little blue thing that I, that I i ate shit in um this little apartment pool great day and uh we just we traded numbers. Buddy is still one of the only people whose phone number I remember because that day he handed me a they'd made business cards for the project, and it just said "Pool Movie," and then and then uh, the phone number, which I will not disclose right now because it's still Buddy's number, and it's one of the only phone numbers I have memorized. Because at the time I didn't even have a cell phone yet. I was, you know, I I, I remember I used to get pages from them, and I'd have to pull over and. Anyway, uh, I started coming out to New York a lot and hanging out with them and they came out to California more and more. And in the end, it was a life-altering event because they're two of my best fucking pals, period. And it completely, in many ways, reshaped my life as I'm now a you know, permanent New Yorker and they live blocks from where I was born in Hollywood. Love those guys. Yeah, bye. on, hey, down.
3: Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate. 3218 Mission Street. Come see
1: us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy.
3: When was the first time you met Farmer? Were you in New York?
0: No, we met Farmer in the empty swimming pool. Like Pat Cork says, you meet some of your best friends in an empty swimming pool. Uh, Howard Johnson's pool. Uh, he was we we're going to shoot for Fruit of the Vine with uh, Salva. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm my gonna, brother I'm gonna, was there, too. What's that? And your brother. Obviously, yeah, we're with your brother who oh, fucking sweet. destroyed that pool like insane to the point of where it was like. All right, dude. Yeah, he was checking off. Take a fucking volume. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he went like every corner trick you could do, you know, in a square pool, his brother laid down and like the, before anybody, you know.
1: Yeah, all kinds of shit. Weird shit. I don't, I, I never realized how weird it was because I was so used to seeing it, but it was like looking back now. But well, yeah, our, I, just fucking, I mean, dude, the guy still skates. He's two years older than me to the day, but we have one day part birthday. So he's fifty-five years old, and he just won a skate contest the other day in Switzerland. Some vert contest, really? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, dude, so he's
0: weird. he's so good.
1: He, the, you know, all the Matt like Grasso clued me into like all like you know when they used to have those vans like masters contests, whatever. My brother used to show up, and he like would win. He beat Caballero. He beat everybody. It's <laughs> fucking
3: weird. Like, him and nobody get He's not a master. No, no, he's a legend. They, that was the argument. I think Salva,
1: and it was really a weird thing because all this had <laughs> happened. And it was like sensitive issue between like oh, me and because so, so they like kind of didn't like my brother because he would show up and win and, uh-huh. and, and and
0: nobody wants to see somebody beat Cab that they've never heard of you know I mean that's that started to, uh, against the or point or a
3: lot of people want to see that You're right
0: yeah you know what I mean we don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, your brother's like the the older Bucky Lasik you know like he just hey, Whoa, you that's high like,
3: praise right there.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, a,
3: you got a boneless front invert, on you? <laughs> like, did you see on. that switch method that,
0: that Bucky put on Instagram?
3: Bucky, Bucky is the best. Everyone says Tony Hawk, but Bucky is the best. Well, Dude.
1: I think I think Bucky's the most. I, I don't is he I, is he the most underrated? I mean, I've never yeah,
3: absolutely,
1: absolutely fucking. I mean, and he gets all the love. You know, people who know, fucking know.
3: Yeah, but, but like his he that guy is, board sponsor, like like get kicked off of a shoot. Like, what? This, this is the best dude. What are you talking yeah. about? I must just take care of.
0: Doesn't he still do that uh, switch? I hate trick names that are like a half a paragraph long with like a switch kickflip Madonna.
3: Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. And he's got yeah. like nollie heel flip Madonna. Like he's got so many variations and so you don't weird. know. What's going on? It's amazing. The switch fall guy, not many people could do a fall guy and he's got a switch on. It's like oh. Yeah.
1: He Ooh. he defies a lot of fucking rules and laws of yeah. what is possible. He's incredible. He's fucking incredible. And that, how long? I mean, that dude's from my era. Like I used to skate against him, you know. He's from Baltimore. Baltimore. I used to skate with him in Ocean City. That's my my home sort of my second hometown. And we used to skate together all the time. He was a little bit younger, but I remember just from the very first time we ever saw that dude. Right. We were, it was like, whoa, what is this? He was definitely a unique East Coast, you know, weirdo. There was a couple, a couple guys out there that really stood out. You know, Groholski probably being the first of those that just didn't really. They they were from somewhere. Yeah, you know, nobody else yeah. skated like that from there. Bucky was also one of those folks that like. Nobody skated like that. That came from somewhere else, like outer space.
3: Insane, right? Was uh I was gonna ask you, Cedar Crest, is that one of the best vert ramps you ever skated?
1: It was, I mean, it was good. It
3: you know a lot of people say I think Fred I mean, you've probably skated a lot more, but Fred Smith was telling me like, ah, oh, it was a bet. Like Yeah, it, it, was, it, was it was it was perfect. Yeah.
1: Also it was steel, you know. It didn't have a lot of flat. I like more flat bottom. Whatever. We're getting the details. Who cares? But yeah. it was um, it was the first steel ramp. It had pool coping on both sides. It was so fucking fast, and it was like solid. They had like, they built the thing with like two by sixes every six inches. It was like it was basically like cement. Faster than cement, though. It was steel. Like, I think Cedar Crest was the first metal, uh-huh. if okay. not the second. And it was a fucking thing, man. People used to go there, and I, dude hugest session, the hugest yeah. fucking assemblies. I
3: remember the photos in the mags and stuff. Like, I'd never been there, but I obviously know of it just from the lore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that place was intense. Um, and it wasn't particularly my favorite, but who cares? It was like the best. It was the best ever. A lot. Of, I mean, that's where the highest air got done. Tony Magnuson went 11 feet or whatever. Yeah. You know, everyone loved it. Krolski loved that fucking ramp. Mertz used to go down there and camp out. That was... Yeah, everyone used to like that ramp.
3: When did you guys become six stair? Two thousand
0: and six, maybe? Two thousand six. We were yeah. NC we we were NCP Nichols Tronowski Productions before that. Um we did Was it when stage.
3: you moved to LA?
0: Right after when we got a studio. When we got this well, the, when we we got were in the, the studio front. on Fairfax. We, I mean, it, always... That's
3: the most stairs you've ever ollied, or where's six stairs? <laughs> <come from? laughs>
0: it's across the street. There's it in uh, yeah, right, Mike mike carroll does uh he uh oh
3: that i like,
0: know yeah all up the curb and maybe he does a nose manual to something off the sixth stair. maybe anyway it's that one on fairfax a little sixth stair.
1: it was across the street from our studio so i mean we're still that studio is and we we had to sign some paperwork to get a name and we're starting new we did, we didn't have any ideas. Oh, fuck it. six stair across the street. We call no. it six stair.
3: <laughs> okay. I mean,
1: like we all had to go Ollie down the six stair real quick just to seal the deal. Bailey, Jocko Boneless. Dude,
0: I, I mean, cracked I... off a, a skate park ten stair on the uh uh body corporate trip.
1: What? Yeah, uh, random information. You know, yeah, had to come yeah, out. yeah. Might want to oh.
0: find the clip. Might be in the update <laughs> or after credits. Let, or let's something.
3: put it up right here. Boom. No, so, you
0: know it was amazing. I watched the video, and it's the only time someone tries to ollie and immediately goes downward instead of ollieing <laughs> Oh, I just dropped like a stone. Like if you threw so a the stone, ten off, stairs
3: it, was like. There, the stairs weren't too big. They were like vertical
0: <laughs> ten, <It> just <laughs> a so bit vertical. <laughs> I took like three donkey kicks and basically just like glided. But the the speed with which I fell, like even though try, like, I hit my tail. But yeah. somehow like defied gravity, hit my tail and went straight downward. Like okay. we're losing viewers
1: now, man. Well, yeah. Let's
3: bring it back to red vine, fruit of the vine. that, that was the first like production where skateboarding kind of you did your pool thing and then all of a sudden you're probably bros with a bunch of new people too and 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 this opened up the gates to like what you said right like you know more pools and now you're getting more phone calls and like oh let's keep let's keep it rolling
0: yeah basically i mean you know it was amazing as we did that was the point of making that was I a discography
1: up here. I'll pull it down for visual reference. We, yeah. have, a, we oh. have a couple. Of, yeah. um, Quickly, but, uh, we
3: followed it with Northwest as we moved into yeah thoughts about no, maybe you know, some time we, hanging.
0: We <laughs> did it. We went, we, well, it worked, dude. We made that uh, through the vine and then City? right from there, we remember uh, Blue Torch
3: TV. I used that bad word. Blue, Blue Torch.
0: Yeah, it was like the before Fuel TV, it was like a uh-huh. extreme or sport action sports TV thing, maybe it's on Fox Sports or something, I forget. Yeah. But uh, somehow somebody there had seen it and were like, "Hey, do you want to make a half-hour or 22-minute show, you know, to mm-hmm. fill a half-hour TV slot?" And so we did a thing called Skateparks Oregon where we basically went up and we traveled around in like 2000 and 2000. And we traveled yeah. around to different parks with like Al Partnan, Steve Bailey, Sam hits That's the shit that
3: we live for.
0: I don't know. A crew. We had a crew.
3: Uh.
0: And we traveled around for like two or three weeks and skated all the parks at that point. Sort of as an outgrowth of a part of Fruit of the Vine. And okay. then we went to Ecuador.
3: Was that the he- Hewitt cover or no?
0: No, it was after that. It was because of that. Uh. But there was an article in the mag. There was a Thrasher article on that. The trip we took, I think, Rhino. Did I wrote it? Rhino shot the photos.
3: Oh, Rhino, when were you?
0: Rhino, Preston, me and Rick, Tino Razo, Bruce Martin, Bobby Pulio, <laughs> Scott Smiley, Evan. Shout out uh, well wow. Martin, Peter Hewitt, Steve Bailey.
4: Shout out
3: eclectic,
0: yeah, a pretty eclectic crew, dude.
3: Was that that what was that your first trip with Preston and Rhino, or had you done a trip before? Or?
0: You know, when we did um, Fruit of the Vine. We we operated out of Preston and Rhino, and uh, it was Andy Mack's house. But, you know, for years, you know, yeah. Preston, Rhino, and Andy were like the three, the three guys, you know? Like they traveled with that Spike and Mike's thing. And, yeah. and uh, <laughs> you know, Andy, they lived in Andy's house. I, I mean, I'm sure they paid rent, but uh, Andy had that house in OB. yeah, And Fuck. so Rhino basically, I still to this day we talked about we didn't give rhino nearly enough credit like in the credits of fruit of the vine like now that we know better you know we didn't know we'd never made a film we didn't know what how much credit you give to the person that basically produces the thing you know he was the producer but now oh. we, we would have made it we would have said film by buddy and rick producer rhino you know like right. we just didn't know that shit. you know we put like production assistant or something you know whatever but rhino basically line us up with all the pools, introduce us to everybody, blah, 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 blah you know, everything. Right. With like no quest, like super stoked to do it. Yeah. Preston, you know, was there too. So it was like, that wasn't a road trip, but we satellite it out of their plate, you know, and they were on the majority of that film, you know, especially Rhino, more Rhino because Preston, I think was traveling around a little bit, like it was a summer. So I think he was back and forth, like he had gone to Europe or whatever for part okay. of it. But, uh, that Ecuador might've been the first trip that we did like as a skate trip with Preston Rhino, because I don't think, you know, Preston was Rhino, neither of them. I don't think we're on staff at Thrasher yet.
3: No. You
0: know, like Rhino was, that might've been one of his first
1: full articles even. We just done. Yeah. We just done. We had a little thing like going, uh, you know, and then, um, you know, Preston came and it was like, yeah, let's all go and do this. We were all just starting like 2000, right? Yeah. yeah, it was pre
3: 9-11 had Preston done mixed nuts or any of that stuff yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, he did the cover. He drew the cover for mixed nuts. You did Rick did. Yeah. And for another a couple mixed of nuts did. and one I, of did the I did a few oh, nice yeah, you did did two of them. Yeah, that's right. Um, miscellaneous debris, <laughs> miscellaneous debris. Yeah, that's right. Which one was first?
1: Miscellaneous debris, then mixed nuts. I exactly remember mixed nuts was like the uh, the, the, peanut, the man. peanut guy with the by, I, the I mono, think
3: I uh, met him. Mixed nuts was there. that's like 98.
0: <laughs> That way, you know, obviously we didn't mention, but you know, on the lead up to making through the vine and us meeting and getting stoked on video, obviously it was Preston. It was like he was doing it. You uh, know, like our ideas wouldn't have sort of coalesced around that idea that you can make a video, package it as a VHS and sell it and make five to ten dollars each. <laughs> <for a copy.
1: laughs> he was doing that. And he was doing it Pretty so it was, pioneer shit, dude. Yeah, like, him I and don't... Danny
0: Minnick, you know, Minnick was doing it. Um and and I knew <laughs> Minnick from Seattle, so it was like we knew people were doing, you know, Manic was fucking doing it pretty well. You know, I mean, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he was fucking doing it.
3: I was so, blown away by that process. I remember him, like, explaining it to me. And I was like, whoa, dude. Like, dude, it was
0: so. And, and it, was, like, it was
3: next level for sure at that time.
0: And there was that guy, you know, the dude, Matt Ballard, I don't, from San Luis Obispo,
3: mm. but
0: lived in San Diego. Um, he was like, I think he was a consolidated rep at the time, but On his spare time, he repped all these small independent videos, P-Stone's videos, maybe Minix, I don't know. But, you know, there was maybe like four or five people making bids in the late 90s. And he would take like a dollar for everyone he'd sell. And he would just, he had a list of fucking 500 shops. Every one of them would take two or three. And you pay Ballard a dollar or something, shit. We would end up making seven bucks, you know. Six, it was cool, six man. Six or
1: seven dollars, and selling those um, VH—that first round of Fruit of the Vine VHSs was fucking. up. That was what we could. We couldn't. Be, we actually couldn't believe it. Dude. We but bought shit, five thousand, and we got. A, we we made our money back from what we put in, We
0: made our money back And, like. Everyone was, was like, insane. "Oh, you're gonna sell five hundred of them," and we were like, "Fuck, sick! You think we're gonna sell five hundred? You know, like that would be amazing," and. We sold the first run of five thousand. Those
1: fuckers, oh like,
3: they dude! Not like open.
1: a month. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we are ceiling? Ceiling. We'll put that aside for you. Yeah, um, I need that. That should be sitting right back there. I, right I
0: need that big over time. your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. But we sold the, like five thousand of them right away.
1: Yeah,
3: I just got this like from uh, Cooper. Brad. Oh, nice.
1: Coops hooked it up. Good, nice yeah. placement.
0: Uh, and so and I, it was like, make, dude. That was the greatest. <laughs> Nice. Right. <laughs> that was a great way to make a little bit of coin was putting out your own VHS. Right, tape. and
3: it, again it comes from that DIY ethos where you're just like doing it and then yeah. it's like you're actually kind of talking to the guys as you travel and be like, "Hey, you should order some at the shop." Like yeah. I- I'm in Milwaukee like, "Dude, you Oh, know- and, that, and
0: and Kevin Marks, it's what Kevin Marks did before Look Back Library. He also was like a distributor. You know, so if you oh, Are had- really? If you had two people doing that, right. And in between them, they had 800 shops or whatever. And you think just do the math, you know, it's like and people re up and some shops were 10 or whatever. Dude, we went through. I think we sold 10,000 of these 10 to 12,000 of these VHS tapes in like four months or five months.
3: No way. Yeah,
0: it was pretty. It made our money. Man. And we, that
3: just fuels you to do it more. Yeah
0: like yeah, you're already respectful.
3: you're already fired up on skating but then like yeah this is a job like this is work and you're fucking kind of like who that was rad but who and then all of a sudden you get that second fire from like oh shit people are hyped on it let's do it again Dude, this of... was
1: also the first time anybody um did anything on like the, the whole diy thing you know the, the end of through the but the first part was skating pools but the end was we went up because these guys were building Lincoln city and talent was just getting built. You know, Burnside had already been there, but these guys were starting to go think about it. I never really thought about that. That whole time was all, all of us were starting our trip. Right. Like Preston, Rhino, Marty, Reg. shout out. We'd all done our own weird underground shit that we've been obsessed with. And, and now we were getting hired out and also expanding on our idea. Yeah. Um, all of that was cooking at the same time like that's what we got here like this was uh marty and and red coming together for the first time to do a job they were getting paid for it was like a contract and now it's like you know
3: yeah
1: and it was their first um it was we were there we went down and shot it and these guys were tripping you know it was like really they were just like same as we were you know we we were all kind of Figuring it out—that was early era, era. Right. Start for a lot of our our shit.
3: Those early Hubbard interviews and shit are so fucking—it's uh, magic. Like just to have like that stuff documented in those early times. Yeah. It's just like, man, that's a—it's a tearjerker and a, a, a like—it's every emotion you can feel at once. Yeah. He's yeah. consistent,
1: motherfucker. Had an idea that never—he didn't really sway too far from the. Yeah from the center of he kept it going man holy shit and you know what his trip was always connect the world with a skate park you know it, it happened it you know not exactly literally but it happened
3: yeah it feels planned but i don't think it was but when you go into oregon and you start hitting skate parks and they're like it's your path to wherever you're going and they're rest stops like it's yeah. so, it's so sick. Like you're like every two hours, we're going to stop and skate for a little while. Like it's you can like, do that. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so cool. So cool, man.
1: Fucking uh,
3: how did, so how did like fast forward a little bit? How did the um, anti-hero in the tent city come into, that was your first experience with them was going to Australia, right?
0: Yeah. That was our first time like making a video of, You know, for anybody else or with anybody else,
3: okay, yeah,
0: yeah, and it was that was Pete Hewitt, Ah. you know, he we were friends with Pete, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, Rick knew him from years before and in going on trips to Europe or whatever, like what early, early 90s, Mm 19 and whatnot, but like we search similar to how we reconnected, you know, it's like we reconnected through. You know, I don't think he's in Fruit of the Vine. But anyway, like on other trips, you know, like obviously going. He
1: wasn't around when we were, it was fucked up. He we was met, probably in Europe. On yeah, he was probably in Europe. It was Pete's idea. Yeah. It was we just lived Pete's in idea. New York. We lived in New York. We were getting ready to move to California. And those guys were all in town in New York. And Pete's like, yo, come on down and let's meet up and talk this idea over. And we went down to, I'd never met Julian. I never met, I never met any of these guys. I only knew. Pete ah. and, and so Julian came to see Northwest um, in San Francisco yeah, San Francisco and I think that's what got him I remember seeing him there I remember seeing him and Jake and I, I remember be- looking around and being like whoa real skateboarders come to see our movies like, that's cool. like I felt like oh cool man like real guys come and are interested in our shit yeah right? um, not just our friends Not that our friends aren't real, but like people we didn't know that were (laughs) like pro skateboarders in the world that just would come to our shit. It was like being, you know, like a band and showing up in a different city and like fucking, you know, like whatever some dude show up from another band that you like. Right. We met up with Max Fish that, Mm -hmm. that night and we talked it over and then we went for it. Holy cannoli. Met Cardiel and Tony at the airport on we didn't even know this. We all you met, met
3: cardio and Trujillo at the airport on your way to Australia.
1: Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We so basically weird.
0: introduced ourselves no to way. those guys. Uh, <laughs> I remember
3: like, hey, we're going on this. We're the guys. It's, it's
1: <laughs> funny thinking yeah. now knowing those guys, they're not
3: the easiest crew to like get in. Like
1: I don't you know, it's weird. again, I'm just like knowing these guys now and you know, you're naive, whatever, you're younger, you just jump in the shit. I just can't believe that, like, we met these dudes at the airport. They already had a whole thing going, like, for them. And all of a sudden, there's these two complete weirdos from the East Coast, these weird old bull rider dudes with Super 8 cameras, and we're going to make a movie. I can't even believe that that fucking idea flew, like, really? that that actually went through. Bought <laughs> our plane ticket. you know, like, it was crazy, dude. It was what, fucking. What and then we butter- got to know all these dudes while we were there, like, camping.
3: Was Morford on that one? Yep. Shout out.
1: It was Frankie, Morford, Pete. Shout out. Cardiel, Julian, Max. Matt uh, Rodriguez. Shout out. Matt Rodriguez.
0: Bailey. Joey. Uh, Did I say Joey? Bailey. Bailey. Um,
3: Oh, Joey Tershi was there?
1: Yeah. Yep. Tershi was there. Uh, He Uh ran the Indy Van sort of road neck like with us. Yeah. Joey and John and Matt.
0: We're in like a... They're RVs. in
3: the incense, yeah, man. Like, yeah. Incense, pot and tea.
0: Regamon. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Had Doing you guys it.
3: been to Australia before? Uh-uh. I mean, you guys have done a lot in your life, uh, but this is probably one that will last forever. I mean, a lot of them will last forever, but this seems like a big deal, one of your biggest deals, if not the...
0: Yeah, at that time, it I was a I mean, the big
3: anti-hero, it... first time to Australia, obviously, yeah. like the no, success of the video and then John's accident is like, we can't like,
1: yeah, the ending was fucked up, but dude, we were skating. Like we weren't, it was, I didn't know about like this division between filming and being a skater. Like we didn't understand that. Like we were skating, uh, like I was on a fucking skate trip, dude. I mean, <laughs> we were focused on shooting. Obviously we made that movie like, but it was like tag team, like, bud, you film, I'm skating, Rick, you film, yeah. I'm skating. Or sometimes we just, whatever. And I remember, like, sometimes we'd be skating. I clearly remember, like, Julian or someone looking over and being like, like, Pete's getting ready to fucking make this. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck, go get the camera. <laughs> I remember that look a few times. Yeah. Um, but we came home with a, with a movie, and it was a heavy one, yeah. And, John, the ending was fucking, was the worst. I mean, no, not the worst, but it was pretty fucking terrible.
0: Yeah, that was, I mean, obviously um, the the Johnny thing was fucking really, you know, there's two ways to look at it, you know, it's like accidents happen, you know, obviously, you know, and, um, you know, it was fucking, but if you want to look at a glass half full thing is like at the end of an amazing trip where everyone had an amazing time, you know, like didn't happen fucking first day of a trip or, you
1: know, whatever, it's like, and you he know, fucking Hold it like and Johnny's as such good a, as he possibly anybody better than anybody could pull it. You know, like incredible. the reality of I was
5: what?
3: just with him last week. He's riding a motorcycle yeah. and fucking having the best time of his life. And he's the spirit of it. he's like so positive yeah. and happy. He's an amazing
0: like, person. Johnny is an amazing
3: just being able to keep your spirit person.
1: up through that. Like it's fucking I would have,
3: you know. Absolutely. He's, with-
1: he's 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 a real motherfucker, man. Particularly heavy.
3: Yeah, uh, I remember getting the. We got the call. It was skater of the year. It was Mark Appleyard, and fucking Mickey's face went white. Jake gave the award and left the. Like I, I remember that night so clearly. It was fucking heavy as fucking. We were on the other side of the fucking world, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think Mick flew down, right? Like we I'm were. Pretty, yeah, pretty Rick and straight. I stayed on, and Bailey. We, Rick and Bailey stayed on. After everybody had split, it was literally the last day of the trip. So, Ah. you know, we were there for a few days. Um, Bailey stayed for a while, and then I think Mickey showed up like within a few. Like we left,
1: and I think Mickey came. Yeah, we were staying anyway. uh, We Buddy and I had our trip planned to stay a few extra days after the trip to go do something, and then that happened. Everyone else was booked. It was Christmas Day, and yeah, and it was just like we all met and decided. Um, you know, those guys were gonna just go. There's nothing that could be done, really. Yeah, his dad was already on the way. His dad dude. was on his way. Mm. Buddy and I Bailey were there to like just hold it down and be with him, and until and yeah, and then that was it. That was just the next few days afterwards. Yeah. But um
3: okay. Yeah, man.
1: Fucking Johnny and it his motherfucker Goddamn inspiration!
3: He like, is—he's the best. He's so oh man. I mean, I—we were talking about Cranny earlier, and I think Cranny was channeling his inner Cardiel, like for real. Yeah, it's just yeah, like no.
0: John has done—you know—it's—it's it's pretty amazing. You know, the guy is—he's—he's—he's he's, he's such an inspiration as a skater. You know, of like that, just that go for it. You know, you could be a one-fiftieth the skater of Cardiel in your ability but you can channel that same thought process when you're skating, you know, like, "Ah!" you know, you feel (laughs) like it. And when you get to that point of feeling like cardio looks in a video, or when you, if you get the, had the pleasure to skate with him, like that's when, you know, the session's on, you know, and you can feel it, you know, and that, and and he does the same thing. I think, uh, you know, off the board, like when you're, I've been hurt and battling stuff and think about John and his attitude and and how you know that you don't fucking sit and wait and fucking wallow, you you move forward. There's always something you can do. Anyway, point is that like John is that kind of dude. It's like no, it ain't over till I say it's over. You know what I mean? I'm, like this, it ain't over, I mean, yeah. You know, um, and that's a really powerful, super super powerful message, you know, and lesson. Um, and we're all lucky, you know. Skateboarding's lucky. The to have people like
3: John, you know, for sure, he's the best. Well, let's get to some funny shit. Uh, you guys met uh, Gerwer, and you did uh, what was it? Frankly speaking, or trapesing or
1: both? Trapezing was first, then Frank. I I, I
3: I heard there Fire. was a there was a little controversy with trapesing the name, possibly. <laughs> oh, oh, you man. talk, to Bryce. <laughs> you got some good. Fuck, this guy <laughs> did his research.
0: Childress, partner and, and Bryce. Had a thing called straight tripping, straight ah. tripping, right? Straight yeah. tripping, and they had come down and showed it to us, and it was super cool and great idea and everything. And I can vouch for this guy; I'm guarantee that he didn't remember that that ever took place. I'm I'm easy before to he, just say. before he came up with it was before. straight trapes
1: Um, it was straight. It was we were shooting. We were in Fresno <laughs> and we're in the van, and there was somebody. Traipsing across the high, the street in front of the van, and I don't think anyone else in the van heard that before or something. The word traipsing, uh, I was like, "Oh, look at that old something traipsing down across." I don't know. I just said something about traipsing, and everyone's like, "What did you just say, traipsing?" Yeah, I'm they, they obsessed with it. So, um, what is,
3: I don't know what is traipsing.
1: Traipsing is just sort of like it's just sort of mumbling, like sort of scuttle button uh, down the street, sort of nowhere to go, no direction, kind of. Scrapping around, poking around, not really uh,
3: semi-tourette.
0: No, like my mom used to say it to me, like, like no real direction
1: or time
3: to like go lollygagging.
0: There. You know the term to l- yeah, lollygagging? Yeah. Yeah. sort of like slightly faster version <laughs> of lollygagging,
1: like dragging your <laughs> yeah, heels with stop tracing around. My mom would say stop in, trapsing, you know, yeah. Not much intense with yeah, know, know. where you're going. Yeah. Sort of anyway. So that became a, that was funny, and that was a super raw. Those things, I fucking love those videos, man. They were fun. The, the they were between the
3: two ferns uh, kind of mock. Yeah. I love that. was another that. one
1: I wasn't aware of until after we had done it. That that
3: was. Oh, really? I had no idea about I thought that you show. intentionally did it. Like, Oh, man. Maybe those guys did. Because. Uh-huh with the was, little mic getting put out there. And like, uh, it was just that was uh, fucking fun, dude. That and was like, you can't, can't lose life. with Frank. Frank's just like gold. He's just like, put the mic on. He's like, bye bye making you laugh. Frank <laughs> is
0: a funny motherfucker. I mean, I'm not the first person to say that, obviously, but he is effortlessly, effortlessly funny. I can't even say effortlessly, effortlessly funny. Yeah. He's really, really fucking
1: funny. So those little things happened. um, And then we did a bunch of episodes of those, frankly speaking, which was fucking hilarious. I love those things. And then what was next? Shorebreak Baby. Oh, Shorebreak Baby.
3: Ah.
0: That was the Vans. That was like concurrent with Love Letters. Uh, The first like two seasons of Love Letters was... Was that during the Love Letters? Yeah, Shorebreak, Break Babe. Yeah, because Love Letters was the first thing that we did with Vans. Right. and then And Vans like,
1: needed an... Uh, sh- they, they offered, like, hey, man, you guys
0: got anything else? Yeah, or you want to do something with, you know, because at that time, I think everybody on Antihero Road for Vans, pretty much, you know.
3: Or, you, or were getting the shoot. Grant
0: was probably gear. still on Alien Workshop or whatever it was at that yeah, time. Yeah, was pretty great. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so it was like... What I year think, was that? 2010, 11, 12, something like that. Okay, 2012 probably by the time, you know, and Trujillo was, you know, big dog, you know, and the shoe is probably came out of like shoe marketing budget or who knows, you know, I don't know, but Andrew Allen, Andrew,
1: Frank and Julian did a downhill thing. Yeah, Frank was probably the only person that didn't ride for Vans and was Grasso skating. Did we do a Frankly Speaking with Grasso?
0: Yes. The last one. What was it? It was sitting in Pete's front yard.
1: Oh right. No, that's a good one. It was a two parter. That's Fanner a two quarter there. Right.
0: Uh, for yeah.
4: That. And that was when Gros- you know what when Grosso's frankly speaking was? Is when he was just getting on the team. Welcome back to this week's show where our guest will be Jeff Grosso and we'll find out what makes this man work. He's been growing since the age of six and he's still growing. I think he started growing before six, but we're gonna find out what makes this man grow and stop growing. Or stop growing. It was sort of yeah. like an
1: intro because that was first, Brasso's intro to Antihero. The first <laughs> uh, season of
0: Love Letters, Brasso still wrote for label or whatever the emergence, I don't know, like some side thing of label. I don't know. But he wasn't on Antihero, the first season of Love Letters.
3: So the Love Letters evolved from the working with Vans?
0: Love Letters started was that we got called in to Vans Asking if we would do something with Grasso because they wanted to do something with Grasso. You know, Hasoy had a shtick, Cab had a shtick, you know, of the legends thing, and they and they liked the way Grasso was on camera, that he could talk really good because he was doing he had done some marketing internal marketing videos or whatever. And like, dude, this guy's hilarious, you know. And um, again, we didn't know Grasso. Yeah, we didn't really know Grasso. We had skated with him at Ramona, maybe once or twice. That's uh, that what was I'm it.
3: wondering. So do you powwow with them and start uh, brainstorming or like, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. We, we, it's funny. Vans met with us separately. Like they didn't even bring us all together in one meeting. Like, Hey, here's Grasso meet these guys. These guys, we got, they like, Hey, do you guys want to do it? And then Grasso's like, no, I don't want to do it. And we're like, hell yeah, we need money. You know, we'd love to do it. You know, fuck. Yeah. Sounds great. We'll think of something, you know? Yeah. And, and then we went to New York. Oh, okay, Before here's all- that we had Grasso come up here. Remember?
1: That we met with him?
0: Yeah, at uh at um Jojo's crib. Oh,
1: right. And dude, this was exactly Julian came down and Grosso came up to meet with Julian about getting on Anti-Hero and we were starting love letters. All that happened. Oh, was he on
0: oh. Anti-Hero the first season? I thought maybe he wasn't, but maybe he
1: was. I don't cuz I remember he was. we had
0: we were sitting in the car with him talking about, "Oh, should you know, do you think I go on Anti-Hero or whatever?" Yeah.
1: No, he wasn't on Anti-Hero the first, right. Okay. At the beginning. All right. Okay. But then Julian that was like first season, but that was all, all that shit kind of started. Yeah, The anti-hero on, love letter thing all kind of started, but once he got on the anti-hero and the love letters kicked into like season two or three, it was on. Yeah. Like that was, that was a good little run for Grasso right there.
3: You remember the first uh, love letter? Yeah.
1: yeah Steve, Steve Olson.
0: It was easy. We Olsen always, it was one of those things where I think Grasso was a, a Olson. fan. I mean, I know he was, he was obviously an Olson fan, Right, and he was blown away that we were friends with Olsen like casually, you know, not like fan friend, but like Olsen would come and hang out in the studio, you know, we were like, yeah, buddies, legitimate friends, and um, especially Rick and him. And uh, so you know, when we came up with the idea of like, hey, what should we do? Gross was like, dude, I want to, sounds really stupid, but you know, maybe we could, you know, like, I just love skating so much, you know, and I loved send. Like do something like send a love letter to people, you know, but that's so stupid, you know, a stupid name. And it'll never fly, you know, or whatever. I'm like, no, actually, it's kind of, you know, that's kind of cool. And we had just done a thing with Lance a year or so before where Lance was actually writing letters to his heroes as oh. part of the show. Like what what the concept <laughs> for what we're gonna do. Uh, right. Uh firsthand for fuel TV. And Lance didn't want the first hand to be about him. He wanted it to be about Daryl Miller and Bobby Valdez two of right. his skate heroes uh-huh. from the seventies. And so that idea was already planted by, by Lance that, you know, here's someone that's, you know, currently well-known like Lance or Grosso you know, old, but still known. Right. And want to shine light on maybe lesser known older generation of skaters. We told Grasso, like, hey, Lance had try to do something like that. And I bet you, he could, we couldn't do it for whatever reason, but I bet Lance, he loved the idea so much, I bet you he'll, he'll be down with you doing it, you know? And then Grasso and Lance talked and we talked to Lance and he's like, yeah, dude, absolutely. As long as some of these other older guys get the shine, who cares who does it? You know, the point is getting some shine on these legends, you know, that nobody knows about not that Olsen was in that category because obviously, you know, at the time Alex was a pro skater, people knew who Olsen was. Grosso told the story about the first time he ever met Olsen. And so we thought it was funny. We called Olsen in separately without Grosso and was like, Hey, do you remember the first time you ever met Grosso? And he's like, No, absolutely not. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so we told him the story that Grosso had told us and basically just shot his reaction to hearing about. He's like, What?
3: Who
2: was that?
0: No. <laughs>
1: It's funny to watch those early letters man they're only like three or four three minutes, minutes yeah. long and well yeah uh, you, you had to
3: build the dude's confidence right like clearly grosso evolved through the season yeah. like i mean and i know just from working next to jake there was a lot of phone calls between jake and jeff like you got this wrong or yeah. whatever and it yeah. was like a constant thing and then i i mean you can see jeff just Becoming who he was, like, and really getting confident and sitting down with each yeah. guy, and like, yeah, that, that's not something you just sit down and do, it takes yeah. some practice and time. Yeah. I mean, he had, I
1: mean, it there was, there was times when he he would really just not want to do it, but he'd sit him down and would just, he would just sometimes not do it. You just be, we'd be on, we'd go out to do interviews and be like, I'm not doing it. Like, I can't do this one. Like, you just, uh. whatever whatever it was, we'd be like, all right, cool, no problem. We never, it was just whatever he felt like doing. Because we were super comfortable interviewing
0: people, you know, because, like, that's sort sure. of what we, in a lot, like, in those early ones, we coached Grasso a lot on, like, oh, no, you got to ask him this. You know, you got, don't give him the answer, you know, because Grasso loves to talk and he would get nervous, so he would he right. would just ask the question and give the answer and the question. Yeah. You know what I mean, type of thing. And then the person yeah. 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 So that's all you, left. So you're
3: wearing a Boston Red Sox hat, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. It, was it was cool, you know? Like, and was, he's so naturally gifted, Grasso, right. like Frank, you know? He's like that supernaturally gifted. <laughs> but unlike Frank, Grasso just need a little guidance, you know, or prompting, you know, because maybe he, he lacked some confidence, you know, at the beginning, you know?
3: It's funny how these dudes use other people too, to like, help them not i i've seen it with jason and everybody lance especially like you said they just le- they their it's i don't know what it is it's humbleness i guess but it's like i'd rather have this guy shine like like and you just and like kind of like that where it's like you're you're the wait what like in my mind i'm like you're jeff Grosso, like yeah. you know what i mean but he he was good like at that like at least in the latter stages it seemed like like Letting like we got to bring Olsen in. Olsen's the best, you know, like or whatever. Yeah, Uh,
0: no. Grasso was and I I think he was uncomfortable being like the spokesperson as well, you know, because that's kind of difficult of like laying it down, you know, like he has his opinions, obviously. But, you know, that's why we never really want to try to make love letters like the fact the definitive history, you know, it was just sort of like half opinion, history, entertainment, you know. Histotainment, sure. you know, or whatever. Not it, like,
3: it, is there someone out there that has the same, like, no, right? Like, I either. mean, one Jake and Grosso died, like, those were two people that were very individual, like,
1: yeah, there's no replacing,
3: right? Yeah, but I hard. mean, is that kind of sad for skateboarding in the future? Like, do we need that kind of, like, it's hard for cut from my cloth your cloth probably same is where you're like we grew up a certain way and now it's kind of changing into a different way but like having those people that didn't give a fuck and said some shit was important to yeah. people and not yeah. having that voice yeah. is like ooh I mean I don't want to be that voice you know what I mean yeah <laughs> I
1: I think you know <sighs> Man, skateboarding is also rolling on down the line, man. Like you know what I mean? It's figuring, it's evolving, and it's we're seeing it turn into something else right before our eyes. You know, it'll have well, We're
3: fifty plus years old, and we're still on a fucking wooden toy. So, yeah. like, we're blessed, <laughs> right? Like at the end of the day, like it's,
1: it's ins- I mean, We didn't see this shit coming because there was no there was no template, you know. To to look at or to see it was the skateboarding's young still, you know? Yeah. Somebody will
0: come, I think, to the fore, you know, I mean, you would have never thought 10 years ago that, you know, there'd be elder states, women, you know, or whatever, you know, like, look at, I mean, not to say that these people are older, but in the, maybe in the timeline of women's skate, you know, you got now, you know, like Nora is like, You know, she's still super young, but I mean, in terms of she's older in that regard of women and look at, you know, she's doing her thing and has a real point of view. And, you know, and and I'm sure is inspiring and turning on a bunch of people, guys and girls to be a certain look at life and skating in a certain way, you know, like her. And that's not I wouldn't have predicted that necessarily, you know, that that person would come. Because I think that someone like Nora or Lizzie, like these people appeal to guys and girls, you know, obviously I'm sure a little more to girls, but you know, there's be a time when there will be women that are just skaters, you know, like that nobody thinks of like, Oh, that's a girl skater or a woman skate. Like they're just at this pinnacle of like, because skating again, like, we all know it's not the best physical person isn't always like the biggest skater. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that just isn't how it is. You know, it's like when we were a kid, you know, Hasoy had maybe a 10th of the tricks as Hawk, but he was just as big, you know?
5: Yeah.
0: Um, And it's because he had a different thing, you know, they had a different, pl- they filled a different role or whatever. And it's the same. I think now, you know, you get people that'll rise up to be like these, you know, have this outsized influence, you know, in skating that are just because they have a thing, you know, they're they're cool and people like what is, what's Lance's quote, you know, the skaters that get the most popular are not necessarily the best at skateboarding. They're the ones that kids identify with wanting to be like, you know, like they can see themselves at least in that personality type or that way of looking at the world, you know, and they identify with it. And that's attractive, you know, because right. Being the yes. best technician at skateboarding isn't necessarily attractive, you know. Sometimes yeah. it's gross, as a matter of fact, you know. You know
3: Beagle is a perfect example. Like he's like one of the most in neck face too. Those two guys aren't the best skaters on Baker, but they're probably two of the most celebrated yeah, when they when come when their down, to their like, town. Like ah, <laughs> like you know, yeah, so, absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah. It's yeah. that, and that's what makes skating not tennis, you know, or not you know golf or whatever, because technical proficiency. Is only one of about four or five things that make you like the best, you know? Thank God, right? (laughs) You know, because there's some great skaters that are not fun to watch, you know?
3: Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Let's dive into this uh, movie, Warm Blood. Dive into the blood. So you guys made a Um, movie. It was called Warm Blood, right? Yep. It was, uh, it was uh, I'm trying uh, to do the question. Yeah. Now that oh, yeah. he told me how to do the question, I am like, okay, so you're wearing a flannel, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, w- when did the pro? when did this whole thing start? I, I hear 10 years.
1: Yep. Probably longer <laughs> at this point. Well, I have oh, really? a journal, I have a journal uh, from 2006 okay. where I have about 10 or 15 pages of notes And it's based on a book that I read that I'm not allowed to mention um, because of legal matters at this point. Um, It was the book that inspired me to make the movie that was published by a good friend of ours. Um, And um, I got that in the mail from him and then started writing notes right away. Like just notes, movies, actors, scenarios, just things that I just... I didn't know what I was doing. Just impressions, feelings, whatever. Things that I thought, like, wow, we could go out and do this. Um, uh, that was 2006. But then it really didn't, like, and I talked about it for, I mean, way too long, whatever. It was never, like, never made sense to try to make a narrative feature film. Like, there was no, and it's not like I was going to go about it, like, the traditional way of, like, fund, you know, who's going to fund it. It, it. It's just a whole fucking thing that was a dream and an idea, but, There was no way to go about it. It was too big, way too big. Right. Um, So I finally met. um, I met this uh, friend of mine. His name is Emil from um, Australia. And we met we both met him in in Australia in 2006. But he was going to make this film in Cambodia. And I went over to meet up with him. (laughs) And I was like, oh, dude, okay, I can do this. Like, I didn't know that it could be done like this. Like, and that film he took to the Venice Film Festival and like won uh, an award for best independent film. And it looked I was there making it and it looked like we were making a skate video. But then I saw it on the screen. And it was like, oh, my God, there's a story and there's two people and it's fucking on the big screen. And it there's music and it, it's like a whole world that he created. Yeah. Like, and it was no magic trick. It was just like we did when we made skate videos, cameras, people running around permission in the streets. Hey, you go do this practice real quick. um, These lines and then say them and we'll shoot it three times. Oh, you didn't make we're getting kicked out next spot. It was literally like that. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to make this film and I'm going to make it like a skate video. Same thing. Um, So this book that was written um, took place in Modesto in the 80s. And I was telling Julian about this. And Julian's like, oh, dude, go meet Andy. He's living in Modesto. He's your guy. Cause he read, he looked at the book. He's like, oh my God, this is fucking cool, dude. But like, if you want help, go talk. And I didn't start yet. So I went and met Andy. And that's the first time I ever met Andy. Knocked on his door. He's living in Modesto. He was fucking deep in the junk and (laughs) just fucking. (laughs) Now, maybe at that point, he was on a little. So I think he was was on a sober kick. He was on a sober kick. He he just
3: got out of jail, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, just, he got, just a, got out of jail. He just got out of jail. He was, he was living in, in a house with his kid and, and and the mother of the child and and um and I don't know the kid's name. Cruz Cruz. Cruz. It was Cruz. Okay. It's tattooed
0: over his eye. That's oh, right. how I remember. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> it was
1: Cruz. Cruz was a little kid. I remember crashed out at that house that next day. And he's like, Well, what do you want to do? And I was like, Well, here we sat down and I showed him the book. And he's like, Oh fuck, oh man, I could take you. He's you know, and he's reading these journal entries from this book and he's like dude i got that i know these like, totally so we just went out uh interviewing people and then skating too we were just skating pools and we skated like four pools on that first weekend they were everywhere in modesto it was, fucking, it was like on right then and we we were just in between skating we were hitting up just trippy neighborhoods going by drugs or whatever Um, Just do interviews, meet up with his freaky old friends from from the good old days. And these interviews just started stacking. up. Is
3: it just you and Andy at this time?
1: Yeah, only
3: Andy. So you you were filming?
1: I was filming. I was at the VX
3: just running around. Did you have to have like paper consent to like have people? Oh, no,
1: no, 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 dude. I knew nothing about that. Like, I didn't know what I was doing yet. I didn't care. I was too much to ask that kind of shit. Like this was so early you had
3: on. to go back and find these people later.
1: A lot of a lot of people. We had to do a lot of legwork, man. And, and uh, yeah, we had to go back later on. We got better at it. But I tried to ask people on camera if it was cool. A lot of people, we didn't end up not being able to use stuff because we didn't get permission or we couldn't find them.
0: So those are right. also like pencil sketches, like the equivalent of like a pencil, yeah. sketch, like where you're like because I was watching the stuff and it's like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah. There, You know, you come back and see it and be like, oh okay, yeah, there is, I got it. You know, it's easier to show other people and get other people involved and excited, you know, and I can speak from the outside, you know, slightly outside of, you know, and it was like, so those things were super
1: helpful to be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Like, cool, cool.
3: You would see things that like- I can't even imagine. Like Andy kind of helped validate your existence, right? Like this guy's not a cop. Like, yeah
0: he, wait oh, who's, who's your dude with the camera like what the again like on? remember what i was saying about rhino and fruit of the vine yeah. of how like you know this time we did know and andy is a producer you know like is credited on producer. the thing as a as a uh, producer you know right. what i mean like he absolutely because he heard.
3: would go and go hey tommy well, you know like, oh.
0: and you know everybody you love andy too yeah. you know like get on get and it.
1: On, <laughs> on and on and it went on for dude it went on for fucking years dude i would call Andy and he never said no. I oh, I would either come pick him up in SF or he'd take the train as far as he could. I'd grab him or he'd meet me in Modesto, catch a ride, whatever. And we just did these missions over and over again. I would sleep in my car. We would sleep out in the fucking almond orchard. We'd sleep at some sketchy fucking person's house. Like never had any money. We were so poor then. We were just like scraping by and making the letters. But I was just, once I got into this thing and Andy got me going, it was just like, it started to like, stack up and 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 then i was trying to figure out what i was saying like what what's this about and 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 then the journal that started to become less interesting than what i was coming up with and then my personal shit started leaking into it just ideas fucking weird words graffiti just thinking music all the and and that shit started stacking up so it just like it was like it cooked for years. It just was a cauldron, and it was always boiling in the background. Hey, Joe, you, how's that Ruby going? I heard that shit for ten fucking years, dude. Right, it was always right. cooking in the background because the okay. whole time we were making the letters and doing our shit, and it was just my weekend. After Buddy was fucking bringing up a family, and I was trying to bring life. To this mutation project that's what we were doing on the weekends basically but, but I had two girls and i had warm blood you can watch a bunch of my uh super eight home
0: movies of my kids if you want
1: yeah <laughs> but that's
0: literally like sure. that was the, that was where our what, money and what time was. what
3: camera were you using what's that what camera were you using
0: oh well, you gotta explain that none of these things these things were all researched the shit you're talking about like oh all this
3: them, isn't for maybe the, like
0: two uh, or three minutes makes it into the movie of like yeah. weird little Flat, the equivalent of like a flashback. It's oh, not really this a flashback, is kind
3: of building. Like, are like, like the haired
1: Just trying and, to fuck figure it out,
0: and to be able to explain to me or our buddy Chris Clavel, who's the cinematographer, or to somebody else, you know, to get that excitement. You know, like when you're trying to explain a painting that you're going to do, or you have the fucking drawing. You're like, "Hey, dude, look, here's the fucking painting I'm going to do." You know, like, yeah, uh, I so, need help buying the fucking paint, you know, so or whatever.
3: Ten years took to kind of conceptualize. And then uh, the actual process when you get the whole crew and stuff, it's it, it's a you do it like in one. Well, the stages
0: too. You got it. Yeah, like, there's three different stages to hyping up the the real dude with the super sixteen millimeter camera, our buddy yeah. Chris Plowbelt, who like that, the first time we did that is back in like
1: 2014. So yeah, right? did yeah. you
3: build like a kind of like a trailer or something with your footage and try to present it like here's what I'm thinking and or we
1: tried and we tried well I would come back on the weekends with this video footage and I would cut together um, weekend little mood pieces from each weekend so I'd come back with all this material and I'd just like get fucking all you know just whatever music I was like stuff I was recording off the radio photos The interviews we did like just and I would just like smash this shit together and make these short two. I have like probably 10 or 15 of these short videos that I made that kept feeling like what I was getting at. But I didn't know what it was. It was just like mood pieces, you know, and it was just like Andy just taking me around us skating, finding weird shit. And so the shit started to build up. And then I then I started writing the movie like a script. Ah. And 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 like I, I just had it. to invent a, a story to, to something a thread of something to to Dude, we do wrote it a all whole, together
0: remember we wrote a whole movie that never remember that with Jane like that whole two week we wrote the entire movie that never
1: oh up on the wall
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like we wrote yeah. like there's probably like four movies
1: yeah we should so go back nice. and make one of those <laughs> I don't know I wrote a script I had to come up with a fucking idea. Of how just we got to keep the audience like interested here because um, this is getting long-winded, but it was an idea of like, okay, a feature film. And I have to get people to sit in a seat for 90 minutes and it has to feel like me, like us, like or something real. It has to reflect all of the fucking influence and fuck you of skateboarding and, and the, the methodology of making skate films and all the ideas of just fuck you to the world and to the man and to punk rock and the fuck. Like, it was just like all, all these ideas were trying to cram into this fucking movie and make it watchable. Okay. And so that script just kept getting rewritten and, and then we're like, okay, we're going to go shoot for real. Like we're going to go take this script with no actors and start shooting. So then um, we went and raised like a bunch of cash through one dude invested. And then we went out and shot for like three or four days. And we came back with this shit that was so fucking unbelievable. Like it just was so unreal, but I still didn't have actors and I still didn't know what the movie was about. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It was
0: like coming back from a, a skate trip where all you filmed were like the the trans, the trans world intros, you know, like, yeah, so you didn't have the, you didn't have the piece yet. <laughs> yeah, or you oh. shot,
1: you filmed all the spots, but you didn't have anyone skating them. Yeah, it was like that kind of like pretty... I still didn't know what I was doing. But a lot of it ends up getting used. Eighty percent of the, that the, shit made it in the movie. After yeah, that, we found two kids at the skate park.
3: Right. Brian years, and later, Haley. Like years, years later, like years
1: later, still going up there, fucking ready to jump in front of a bus. Like this shit was going went on forever. And, you know, and then you got to, everyone used to stop talking about it because who wants to hear you talk about this thing that's never going to happen? It was seriously like, I just.
3: no pipe dream. Dudes,
1: beyond. And then I finally met this kid, Ryan, Ryan Toothman from from Modesto, from Riverbank. And then Haley Isaacson from Modesto. Met them both at the skate park. She was skating. He was skating. I knew him. I went up and, and spoke with her. She was just fucking all for it. And then it was. We just started, like, I just started create like, I don't, I don't know what, put them in the car together and started filming them, driving around, and saw what that looked like and had them, like, sort of... I knew, for one thing, is that I didn't want them... I didn't want it to be a boy-girl love. So I wanted it to be, actually, two, like, kind of asexual weirdos that sat next to each other and didn't really... You always expected it, but neither of them cared or even looked at each... I just wanted it to be that, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, not anything to do with a a relationship or any of that shit, just two straggling fucking wandering kids that found themselves in a car together and spent two days together. And this is what happens. Like when, you know, these stories happen every day, you know, just a couple random and most of the people that we found along the way. I mean, you saw the film, you know, a lot of those people that we met up with everyone in the background, all of those locations was all real, all real people, all knocking on doors, all just running in and shooting, um, getting kicked out. The whole thing was exactly like making a skate film. Even when we had the full cast and crew. Okay. Everything (laughs) was spontaneous.
3: So I know we can't uh, name the book, but can we say it was based on a girl's diary, right? Yes,
1: it was. It was uh, a real girl
3: wrote this. That's what brought you to Modesto originally because it was from Modesto. And then Julian and Andy that, and then Ah. it got, wow yeah. man yeah because yeah. like i said i just literally i mean we've been talking for a while now but before we start talking i had finished my first viewing 45 minutes before we talked and there's a lot of things to it that like i was like i want to talk to you about like the definitely the end there's this uh portrait scene where it's just portraits and probably the great talented josh landau playing some rhythm behind it or something yeah, that's right um, Uh, man, that's one of the more powerful parts of the whole movie. For sure. Absolutely. The eyes, you just see it in the eyes and that's where maybe an actor can't give you that. Like that's authentic. That's the real deal. Like missing teeth, like all that shit, just like the miles in people's faces. Right. Like, uh,
1: yeah. Well, that was something at the end of every scene before we wrapped, we grabbed the folks that were in that scene or that we had been shooting, and we just asked them to do a quick portrait. I don't know what the, where that came from, but I just wanted to just – yeah, it, it was an idea that just kept going throughout the film. So everyone got a portrait. There's um, a lot more than that that didn't make it in, but it is a pretty amazing collection of of faces, and I thought just like that was a good thing to put at the end to sort of just remind you of – uh, yeah that's just that's that's our cast. It's almost like a it
3: it Yeah. It's kind of like up. our curtain call, like almost yeah. like a, just like when everyone comes out at the end and bows like Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who yeah. that was but that I'll, was and, heavy. I mean, to me that that
0: scene or you know whatever is also just a a statement, you know, of like there are so many people existing beneath you know outside the mainstream like in the fringe or whatever you know and and they have the dignity the same amount of dignity as as anybody else you know and it's like to show you show them like that as you know like someone a friend a photographer friend was like you know it's a like a Diane Arbus portrait book or whatever you know like the like you said, you see the human experience in so many of those people. So many of those people are have passed by now. Yeah, you know, a lot of the I'd say shit. A lot, thirty percent of the people in that portrait sequence are not around. Oh man, it, you know, and it is heavy. You know, it's it gives me every time it goosebumps. You know, it's
3: uh, oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, heavy. it was sort
1: of also like a thing. It was just like. I got to like have the respect, like I want to look you in the eyes and let you know that I'm this is I'm honest here. Like I'm not trying to exploit you or fuck around with any weird kind of idea. It was sort of like, hey, man, excuse me, come on over. Can we just like at the end, can we just get a nice portrait of you? And then they would pose. They didn't know it was rolling. You know, (laughs) it was funny. Yeah. But I just want to like have like just a quick like And they all, I think, a lot of people really love that. They respected, or they, they were, they respected the fact that we called them over to give them a moment and shoot a portrait of them on this beautiful big camera. And it was like, I don't know, man. They, they all just had this look of just like, yeah, man, here I am. This is it. Like, I don't know how else to really put it into words. Keep the wheels greased, but it was just like, yeah. There's no. This is the truth. There's nothing fancy here there's pretty people in movies all the time, and all these stories aren't you know and not everything wraps up and has a conclusion, and there is no it's just like here now, and it's about survival day to day that's what the story is about the right you know how to how to just keep navigating a fucking de- desolate road to nowhere
3: oh, dude. yeah would <laughs> what would you say were like would you say uh, Let's throw Gummo and River's Edge out there. Like, are those sure. inspiration? Like, what what kind of movie would you say? Like, would you be flattered to have those names in in as an inspiration? Or um,
1: I I have like there's like ten probably my biggest I mean, fuck man Suburbia yeah uh, Suburbia for sure I mean maybe Gummo repo man I remember seeing Gummo back in. Uh, Repo Man is a great. I mean, dude, the fact that these these movies are even coming. I would into put the a racer com- head in, into the conversation. Me, you know, yeah, this head. is great. This ah. is fucking if the, because that those are all my influences. You know, sure like Deep, Heavy, I mean, dude all the obvious ones. You know, obviously, you know, River's Edge, Gummo, of course. I mean, I didn't reference those movies. I have movies that I reference specifically for the look yeah. and the feel, which. Um, you know, like Kelly Reichardt, um, this female director, her first movie is this movie called River of Grass. Was, that was the movie that really made me believe, yeah. like, when I saw a movie that I was, you know, like, okay, that really felt closer, even closer to what I wanted True. To, to do. True. And there was this other movie called um, Radio On by yeah. something petted. What the fuck is his um, name? Yeah um incredible music uh, uh, uh for a music nerd you need to watch radio on it's a, okay. it's it's a fucking music film is it birmingham what is it um it? it's london it's our neighbors but it's such a fucking good movie and it's about a guy who's just kind of drifting around listening to rape to the music in his car and okay. it's like um dude sting is in it which is amazing like a really young sting sings yeah, uh-huh. this really amazing song like and it's about this dude who's just drifting and getting out of the car and meeting people having an experience getting back in the car and rolling on down the line you know ultimately he ends up picking up this woman and he takes her to her husband's funeral or something it's just super random and that was another one that was like okay a road movie like not everything has a conclusion you right. know what's what does two or three days feel like you know, as my ideas got more and more, like, as it got more and more complicated to wrap my brain around a movie, a story that that could last 90 minutes, like, I just had to keep boiling, simplifying, 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 boiling it down. This means nothing. You know, emotions are something that aren't always, like, this big celebrated thing. Like, we all, like, this is just two fucking people over three days, and this is what this is what it felt like to be in those seats on those days when you're these people. And there is no, there is no big story to it. And that's what I think, um, you know, the things you hear on the radio and the conversations you hear are where the story kind of, I think my slant or my, my angle um, come in, but really for them is they're just, just (laughs) fucking navigating through it, you know, just driving through it. And then it lasts two or three days. And there's, and what happens next? Fucking cares,
3: right? Okay, and I, I skateboarders will appreciate like seeing familiar faces like Hubbard, Gerward, Dog Boy, Sean Gutierrez. Uh, yep. I think who else is in there? He's in there,
1: but you can't really see him. Rainy's in there in, the, in one of the early scenes. Oh, is he? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rainy. Um, um, fuck, man, there's Andy um julian showed up to be in one of the scenes but then he freaked out on all the people and split so i was like julian's here and i was like Sick, julian showed up uh, julian's like i split i couldn't deal with it <laughs> that was i wish he would have been there but that was cool man we we did a sort of an ode um harvard was supposed to have a scene in the film grasso's voice is in it on yeah. the radio at the end grasso wanted to be in the movie too unfortunately oh, wow. he didn't fucking make it but we did get his voice in on a tough radio
0: all that show. all that radio shit we recorded you know it's not real obviously real radio it's us right. being stupid no human.
3: it's it's you can definitely feel some uh, influences of what some of your earlier work especially like the tv screen obviously with the credits looks yeah. very familiar yeah. And, yeah. and different totally. things like that what well, is i going to say i love uh becker in the credits transportation that was fucking yeah. fire and yeah. uh uh, the the cameraman though he was he worked with uh, he worked on Speed and Zodiac I I saw yeah Chris on Bellow. right um, how did he how did he was, you how did you land this guy huh big Hollywood well, he's guy. an
0: old punker skater man we he yeah. shot uh he he shot does shot neck
3: faces <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah he did neck faces thing he 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 uh, did bloodshed when we made that back in two thousand and that oh, he he did that one too yeah. Oh. Okay. And uh, he just, you know, he came up in the valley skating pools with John Swope. And, you know, oh. he's just from that world uh, okay. and always been in the camera world. His dad was a AC uh, assistant camera. His brothers is an AC. I think an uncle, one of his uncles is yeah. also in the in the camera department. Yeah. Hollywood his camera department. His camera nephew department. is now in the camera department. You know, he's just from a family, like a, a, a family of a camera, camera, camera dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. And so he started in the in film while he was skating, you know, as a camera loader, as a film loader, and worked his way up, you know, classically, um, working his ass off, sixteen hours a day, seven days a week. Sure. Um, and uh, surfer, skater, punker, all those things. Coolest the- dude
1: ever. He's also the guitar player, singer, and rat shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's just a. They ever sent a- you a rat shit
3: album? No, I think well, uh, it would be
1: back there yeah. somewhere. If, if Fam, um,
3: Sam, Sam uh, yeah. Yeah, has mention, mentioned them.
0: Yeah, Sam well, does. Uh, I'm going to send you one of those. Distributes it. But oh, uh, okay. Chris is just one of the one of our one of homies. Yeah. Really good friends. And like when we need to take something to the next level, it's like he's always he's generous, he's always our guy. You know, like the neck thing, you know, we wanted that thing to look super tight, you know, and and really good you know it's like we could have done it you know for sure it wasn't like super but chris came in he brought in you know lighting guys and assistant camera you know and like just made it so that it looked like a tv like a proper like real deal you know fucking gnarly um production and that's his specialty you know he runs fucking you know he he does all shoots all gus van sant's movies you know like he's a badass
3: Oh, was that your connection to that, too? That's not, no, we
0: met him. No, we met him before that. But that's when we got to be friends with him when with through Gus. Like we met Gus through somebody else. And then he was, Chris shooting. was
1: working on Paranoid
3: Park when right.
1: he went up to meet.
0: Gus. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we we yeah. connected sort of separately, like through so Gus.
3: Par- Paranoid Park was
1: 2007.
3: Two, oh, 2000. Eight. OK.
0: Yeah, 2007, 2008, yeah. And then
3: the Creature one was after that.
0: Yeah, right after that. like
3: 2010, uh,
0: 2009, something. No, like like seven or eight. Dude,
3: that was a
1: fun one.
3: So you're seeing, like, those are some big productions that you're probably, like, taking some notes for these future endeavors, yeah?
0: Always, always. We're always, like, thinking of how we're all you know what it is it's like being a fucking crackhead you know it's like we're when we first did Fruit of the Vine and like we got the film back and we made our first little edit and I remember it was like dude our first edit of that project is going to be like the steps that it takes to get into a backyard pool you know you drive down the highway then you show up at the pool then you jump the fence and then you get to the pool you know and like duh but it was like when we put it together, it was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. We got all the steps shot from different days, you know, like 10, 15 like different sessions.
1: Put a story and, together, then, yeah, like and then that assemble
0: it from all these different things, you know. And and I, dude, we were like buzzing for like a week off that one edit, you know, and we've been, I think, just chasing that feeling. And, you know, the warm blood thing, you know, I was basically someone said in an email to me like, hey, good job midwifing warm blood. I was, yeah, that's probably a pretty good explanation. You know, it's like his baby, but I was right there, like, you know, helping him. And, but that's like a similar feeling, you know, like we just went up and screened it at the Seattle uh, international film festival Yeah, how and was that? watching a narrative thing, a different project up there was, that was really fucking close feeling to that first time sitting in the edit room. Uh, when we did fruit of the vine in like 98 or 99, you know what I mean? Like it, it, just chasing that fucking high, you know, of how can we get that same feeling? How can we do something different or put right. together a different crew, you know, or whatever. And, and it's fucking fun it. also to and use all nerve
3: wracking? Your... What's that? Is that pretty nerve wracking? Which one? The screening? Go into the screen. I know you got like a big crew of your bros there, but there's wow. a lot of people that aren't your bros. Like, are you like, uh, there's my baby and now I'm going to watch people react to it or you just I like, wasn't
0: I mean obviously I didn't have as much on or is line, it you just know
5: like... <laughs> it was some of that for sure a little bit
0: but I was pretty confident like you know with the warm blood thing like because I he I know Rick was definitely had like you know he's much he's more emotionally invested in whatever and I was like my I saw my role as being like no 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 this it's you're, it's good, you know. Like I was that outside voice, dude, being like, no, "No, no, it's not all in your head, dude. You're not just imagining that this is cool. Like this is actually cool. You know, like this is real. Like you really are on and the side. No, I can say that. I can say that, Jen, yeah. because there were other edits where I was like, ah, you know, like, ah, you and, know, whatever. But like, probably
3: like, yeah, you're my friend. You're gonna say that, like, and he, still no, but he knows we're that. harsh, dude. <laughs> We've
0: worked together for so long. Uh, okay. Like when I make an edit, so if it passes, if it passes him. That's like the hardest, you know, like he'll tell me and I'm the same way. Yeah. Like we'll fucking thrash each other if it's something like not in a mean way, but it's, we don't, I would never tell him that something's cool if it's not, you Uh know, I would never. I mean, it
1: almost goes to like, at this point, we don't even need to, we've done. I can feel it. He's sitting there. He doesn't have to say a word.
0: We're watching an edit and I'm like, I don't even have to look back. I, I can feel it. Like, oh, this isn't popping. Billions. Yeah. We've done a billion. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's the same. You know, like you can feel edits. like
1: oh, this isn't it's not it fucking felt good, dude, because it was like, dude, this is what's next. Like there has there this is this is what we got, dude. Thank fucking god we had something cooking because um you know we had something to like occupy our minds and our space and our, and our actually not wanting to fucking go jump off a bridge after the, the whole Grasso, that whole thing just fucking yeah. came in. That was our <laughs> lives. We had this thing and it was just like, dude, check it out, man. We're fucking doing new shit and move. And it was, and it's good. You know, Bad. like we, I really don't doubt that the fucking thing is really good. And the reason I'm so happy about it is because it, maintain the same fucking integrity the same trip that we've always been on you know the same story it's fucking honest it's made with real people with fucking real and a lot of real hard earned dollars from other people we raised money from that film from other artists we sold friends art to pay for that people donated money like it was a full-on family community project that thing we had a couple investors that came in with a little bit of, of like, okay, this is that like, this is an investment, like in a movie, stupid idea for them because they're never going to make, no, but honestly, you're not going to make money on this thing, but where the real money came from and the real support, like priceless amounts of support was through everyone just being like, dude, you guys, we get it, man. We've seen what you do. We know you guys are the truth. You know, you will not, compromise anything uh-huh. for, you know, for what you're doing. You're not going to fucking screw anyone. You're not going to twist or exploit or you're not going to do any of these things. So that was the main thing that kind of got us um, to the finish line, you know, to, to getting it done. Friends, fucking people would just, there are like semi strangers that just gave cash, wow. like just straight gave cash at the end um, to, to get it done um and then an old roommate of mine just my my mineral so many things an old roommate of mine his house burned down and um and he got you know the malibu fires and he got a huge insurance thing and the first thing he just called up and he's like dude how much do you need to get across the finish line i was like well good thing you called because we were just talking about how we're not going to be able to finish this thing because we need x amount of dollars he's like got you and it was like it was like that, that kind of that kind of like energy of of like, oh, it came to me. It comes back to you. It's just because we've been doing this shit. Like we, we've we kind of earned that cred in our community and everyone got behind us and we were able to try something new and to show it getting back to the original question. How did it feel sitting there in Seattle with that group of that mixed group of people with 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 Jenny and Kaya there and and, and Rainy, and 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 just like like real fucking deep old homies, you know, that was like, dude, I was so proud and so happy because it's crazy
3: some- that it was in Seattle. I mean, we don't even have to talk about like the specialness of that city for you and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it was pretty
0: fucking mental. Pretty
3: dude. epic,
1: dude. It was you got, badass. Dude. You
3: got Peabody in there with his bright orange vest like, yeah, you, got, you know, Shit. Peabody, well, tra- we
1: wanted to go do some wheat pasting, and Peabody ran <laughs> to the fucking Home Depot and got some buckets for us and the right brushes and shit. It was just all like every step we took, it was like, oh, after party, boom! <laughs> fucking marginal way, duh. Huge <laughs> fucking smiley's like, oh dude, my band's playing. It's my birthday. <laughs> Farmers like, I'm flying in. Like it was just like, I was like, whoa, dude, okay, this is so much more. It's
3: almost over, bro. Like you're like, yeah. eh.
1: <laughs> you yeah. know, like- it was it was never. But never. The reason was is because never we a overbread. fucking community of motherfuckers that like have watched our shit and they're just like, what's what's this going to look like? Right. Like, I think everyone was really anxious to come and see what we were going to do because we've been talking about it forever, too. You know,
3: well, there's yeah, that what's the plan for it? Like, is uh, there going to be more festivals or anything? Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah. Yeah. You there's do? already
0: it's already lined up for a few more. Um, And can't I guess it's not like super public or whatever, because the festivals announce their schedules. And uh, but it's suffice it to say that, yeah, it'll go through probably what would you say, eight months, nine months of of festival stuff. And then like maybe this time next year or like April or, you know, March or April, it'll be take it on the road. Like a regular, you know, yeah, like, old school, road trip. like old school skate fucking road trip, you know, like, I mean, like skate video premiere, yeah,
3: you know, type with thing. The, with and the, then some of the bands from the movie pl- or something, exactly
0: great, Nailed you know, it. different a, cities, you know, yeah. like how it, shit. and I then heard uh, the
3: Sean Gutierrez Festival at the Balboa Theater in San Francisco is happening exactly. at some point.
1: Yep. We've already, exactly. um, Frankie already told me that Alyssa runs that, she has a night down there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm hoping we can. Yeah,
3: Oh, uh, that's easy. If you guys are down, it's easy. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. You, so it's, you just it's just like
0: a matter up. Of, there's like a whole crew of people that put in money and all this stuff, you know. So it's like at this point, Rick and I are like two of eight people that get to make any decisions, you know, um, okay. about like that kind of stuff, you know, because it, it, when there's money involved, you know it's like sure. we didn't know
1: this thing was business until until I finally finished it and proved yeah. everyone that, that nobody believed it was going to be done. So they just kind of sat there. Like in the original, there was some contract signed. Okay. Um, that
0: so now nope. other people get to say you know like oh I think it could has a better shot of making recouping a little bit of money if we do it X Y and Z rather okay. than we'd be in the van yesterday having yeah. already started driving around showing it if it was just you know us you know or whatever so it's like the way you know we did that tony album movie it was like bands did the same shit like we wouldn't even know that they were showing it in europe or whatever we get calls from friends like dude i'm at the album premiere we're like whoa cool like you know for like a year before it went on you know youtube or whatever you know so that thing had a whole fucking life you know it's that kind of thing though where it just gets out of your hands and uh it gets shown around and blah, basically blah,
1: it's a, it's a, it's a festival circuit first. Um, we have pretty sure we have um, a distributor. We have someone that signed, like, so we have a label, I guess. Oh. It's like, you know, I, I guess I didn't know about this real world shit. I'm learning. It's a lot like being in a band and getting signed to a label. You're looking, you're yeah. fucking, you make a badass album, you're unknown, you're unsigned and you go out and play around until touch and go says yo dude what's up God man it. you want to come you know it's it's that so okay. it's the same trip um we have someone who's interested which is awesome in you know real film world um that wants to take it and put it into that you know world
5: Sick. Um,
1: along with what we got so it's going to be a really cool rollout one and when it does happen first thing is festivals of course and then we're going to do small like you know um uh like art house uh, theaters and in, in, in cities all across the country. We're going to do a little run of theaters nice, probably for like a week um, mm-hmm. or over a couple of weeks which will be fucking really cool that this thing is out in like actual movie theaters Um, and then
3: I bet um, it's sick to th- see it on the big screen to, it's it's so We're good. definitely
1: going to show it at Bell, we're for sure it's just a matter of we have to wait when, I actually yes. just asked about it yesterday, but yeah, San Francisco is going to be a big one
3: Rad um, when Tell we you. showed
1: up there, because a lot of people um that are in the film are yeah. where they live.
3: And, you know, fun. I used to always say just two hours west of Yosemite lives a little town called Modesto.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's right. And it <laughs> yeah. is a trip.
3: Wow, dude, that's so sick, man. Congratulations. And like maybe this little interview is prepping you for probably your, you're you're going to be so tired of doing interviews if this is like a year process and whatever, you know.
1: I like talking to it's one thing. It's like, I didn't got much to talk about. Um, nah, you got lots
3: shit. to talk about.
1: I mean, but ex- I said, except for the shit we're doing and the shit we're doing. I love to talk about. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't got anything else to talk about besides that. So well, I, I, got- I just want to stoke people out, man, on this.
3: Ah, you know, yep. create your own reality. Paul Schmidt said, so your own perception is your own reality.
0: That's a Marty quote. So that's the vine and create your own reality
1: uh, but that's what's that's like dude none of this shit is like if you're into something and it wouldn't it's i mean look at look it's the same idea burnside is the perfect story for like all right a curve a little thing up to and, and, and then and then and then and then it's across the fucking planet and that's mm. because you're you're possessed you can't stop you're in love with something you're fucking down why yeah. not take it? Why not take it to the you know bypass all of your inspiration and go become the new fucking the new bar? Like you got to take what you're into and fucking go for it, man, because what else are you doing here? You know what I mean? Like you're doing the show. This is fucking it's I mean, dude, if this It's fucking huge. People come and talk with you all the fucking time. It's a thing. It exists. It's real. It exists. And if you didn't care or fucking bring it up or uh, it wouldn't exist, create your own fucking reality on all levels. So right. that's what it's always been about.
3: Yeah. I mean, we have this fucking curse and pleasure of having that drive where it's just like, I mean, it's the creative bug. It's just fucking, I, I can't, if I sit around and don't do something, I, I, I start shaking like yeah. I have to go like I have to like even if it's on the computer and just make some Photoshop Jeez. weirdness or whatever it be yeah uh, well shit I got a couple questions for you about the uh document process here because I'm actually finishing up uh China Bank's documentary like this, this week Sick. And- do you have the footage
0: of uh Camden Scott skating from uh summer sessions the the show sure group video yep
3: OK, so have you seen Curb Dogs?
0: I did. I just watched it yesterday. OK,
3: in Curb Dogs, there's a bike. I it yesterday. There's a bike guy that goes up to try to grind his pegs on the top of China Banks and goes over the bridge.
0: Oh, shit. It's in the Yeah, <laughs> I was just scrolling through it. I was looking does he, does he get fucked up.
3: I think. Yeah, he goes over this spalls. It's gnarly. Whoa. Yeah, it's fucked up. And uh, I found that dude. Really? And dude, I was, I was talking with him. Like, and then he just cut me off. Like, I think I he just, he was embarrassed. I don't know what it was. Like yeah. I was going to go just even get, I was like, just on camera say like, it was gnarly. If you don't want to talk about like whatever, like I couldn't believe I found him power of Facebook and social media. All that yeah. shit. Wow. But uh, no, I mean like when you're f- wrapping something up Here's here's me, I don't know how you guys are. Uh, it's bittersweet. It feels like, especially in my case, there there usually is people telling you it's time, like the clock. It's time, yeah. like you got to put this out. Are and, you doing it
0: for Thrasher? Is it a little? Is it yeah, a yeah. It, cool. It's
3: it's fucked up. We got Gons, Julian, Cardiel. Yeah. We got the original tape that Tobin filmed of Cardiel and Julian the first time at. It's so gnarly. Uh, Sean Young filming, spitting, chewing tobacco, and like. Lots of cool, like archival stuff. Um, That's something that a lot of people don't understand. I can't much... wait to see it, dude. That, that's cool. a lot of work digging that yeah. shit up. So like, I'm not embarrassed not having every, this isn't. And what I, what I say is this isn't a video that documents every clip that's happened there. Yeah. It's more the story of Archimedes who found the place. Yeah. He was the first skateboarder to find it and like, you know, whatever. And then. Ken Takeda was the first person to get a photo uh, documented there. And it's just an iconic spot in the city that I've all, you know, this is my San Francisco. I grew up in the peninsula, but I live in the city. This is is my place. So it was really, you know, and the mags here and everything. Um, But I guess my question being long winded is how do you let go of something when you know you could work on it forever, really? You know?
0: Oh, I I always say, you know, you're never done with a project. There's just a deadline. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because yeah, of Dude, course, especially gotta, an archival plug. project. Pull
1: the plug. Thank God, off. there's
0: deadlines. Because do your due
1: diligence as much as you can, but then pull. You got to pull. You know, and you'll price. find the best. That ain't
0: easy. You'll find the best clip of the China banks
3: day the after week,
0: the yeah. week or the right. day after it comes out. Then yep. you'll find like, oh my god. Like that's happened. Like, I can't believe like death of downtown was the first time we did like full archival thing. Right. And uh, we spent a couple of years on it. It was a little harder maybe in 2007, 2008, you know, be just every year, more shit gets put on online or gets a little easier. Right. But, uh, yeah, we really fucked that one up in terms of some of the archival, you know, like good shit. But like you said, I mean, it's, Nothing's just a, if it's just a collection of every clip, then you oh. might as well have a fucking be a if, photo album. If you yeah. don't want
1: to if you don't want to shut the project down and move on, be sure that you're gonna be, watch it in two or three years from now and be like, fuck. Yeah. You know, it's even worse looking back like a couple years and at your shit and just being like, no, like you know, whatever. But that's just that's life. It is really tough to shut it down. Um, but usually our shit is so fucking stressful that it's, it's actually just a joy to just finally be like, all right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: You know, there is that part of it too. Because- and I
0: think narrowing the focus too helps a lot with those kind of things. You know, like when you go into something like say the China banks thing and you know, you're not necessarily sure of like, oh, are we going to do all eras. Are we going to do every person that ever skated? Are we going to, but like we found, especially like with love letters or whatever, if it's a certain you know, you choose maybe a narrower focus because it kind of makes it more interesting in a way too. You don't have to tell just like you don't have to show every clip. You don't have to tell every story. You don't have to tell the whole, you don't have to tell the whole story. You know, you can tell it from the point of view of just people that lived in the city.
1: Frisco
3: icon.
0: Maybe focus on that and maybe just do one little piece of people from outside the city skating. How, How long have you been working on it for?
3: Well, because of the pandemic, it's. I think it's probably like two, maybe over two years.
0: Fuck yes. And is it uh, an hour or two hours or no, half an hour? I think
3: it'll be like forty, like uh, probably forty minutes. I think that
0: sounds about right. I think anything longer than that on like a single subject is kind of you're kind of just adding to it, you know. I mean, that's the other thing, you know, is is being satisfied, you know, like that right. you know, it's not perfect. You know, that's the thing too. History isn't perfect. You know, there's no perfect telling of history. Everything's got a point of view or an edit or, you know, yeah. it's, it's look at who's telling. If you told the history of China, it's going to be different than if if Phelps had done it or if Julian does it or yeah, yeah. Danny Sargent did it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um,
3: That's kind of the point I'm, I, and, but you don't want to like start off something by like saying, just so you know, like there's never. no, there's never a caveat never. for your no work. Way. Like you know what I mean? It's just we like, used to
0: do that, and it's like no, that means you need to go back. You know, like just
1: don't do that. Yeah,
3: I mean, confidence is huge. You have to have yeah. like you have yeah. to be fucking. You know, this is your shit. So like whatever. Who the
1: first person to go over the the bench?
3: Car uh, Julian. Julian the, the, the short person.
1: bench. It was the short Oh,
3: one. the f- short bench. Uh, That's not even
0: like a thing. Like nobody even cares.
3: Yeah. Before, okay. Got. It. Really. anybody
0: could have? It could have been anybody. The yeah. first person to skate it probably but went over. Julian
3: it. was the first to go over the long, long bench, one, yeah. and it was like within a few days of Cardiel fifty-fifty in the top, and Cardiel opened up that. Nobody had touched the top, the top like top doing it like a quarter pipe trick and coming back in. I was going to ask you too before we bail, uh, what your thoughts on the Dreamland dock were?
1: I'll speak first since I'm an outsider. <laughs> I wasn't involved with it. I thought it was fucking awesome. Hey. I really liked it. Personally, I wasn't so super interested in like the crossover the new thing. I don't know that didn't. But that's just personal. All uh, in all, dude, I thought it was great. I like cried a couple times me too. while watching it. Yeah, I mean, that's if that's that's a fucking that's it's
3: so weird. Like you're watching this thing that's super inspirational. but Your brain doesn't think like, oh, that this doesn't have a good ending. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. like, yeah. And then you get to that part and you're like, oh, so. yeah,
1: no. It's I mean, you can't see red talking about Marty. I mean, that's just too fucking much. But I mean, as far as just the story. Like and the way it was fucking done, I, I thought it was fucking awesome. I watched it straight through. You know? Well, I know, I buddy.
3: You have you met Hubbard early days. You you go way back, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, you had a lot of flapping. flapping you were time.
3: in. You were in there a lot.
0: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I didn't. You kind
3: of help. I mean, you help steer that ship a lot. I thought. Well, you know,
0: it's funny. I was
3: Sam Hitz was epic too. Like he's like uh, Sam's like like little one-liners are just like yeah.
0: I'm like the info nerd guy, and he's the comic relief, and Pete adds some
3: cool shit. uh, Sure.
0: um, But you know, when I was thinking about, I was talking to uh, Burnett. You know, in leading up to it, and I was like, oh, you know. Telling him, like, interview this guy, interview that guy, you know, or whatever. And then he starts asking me questions, you know, and I'm like, and I'm like telling him about Marty. And then he's asking me about Red and I'm telling him about Red. And then the light bulb either went off with me or with him. And it was like, oh, for a couple of years, like, I knew Red maybe from high school, you know, from growing up in Portland, even though he lived out of the city. And then Marty came down. And then I moved to Seattle and I was always, but I lived in Oregon, you know, like, so I was back and forth And the Northwest is one of those places where, and it seems probably maybe still like this, but I'm sure not as much as before in the late eighties, Seattle and Portland didn't mix. Like it wasn't a thing, you know? Ah, uh. I don't remember Red ever going to Seattle, like in the eighties or early nineties, you know, like, huh? I'm sure he probably did, but not like, it wasn't like a thing, you know, like there wasn't when Marty moved down to Portland at the beginning of Burnside, that was like the first person from Seattle that had ever lived in Portland skate wise. Oh, okay. And I was one of the first people that moved to Seattle from Portland. Cause I was going to college, me and my friend Davey from Boston. And, you know, cause our vert ramp had gotten torn down. That used to be an indoor ramp in Eugene. And that's why we all lived there. That's how I met Marty, because he he had come down to skate the indoor ramp in the winter, you know,
5: duh. Mm-hmm.
0: and lived and up living with us. And uh I guess Red said that I introduced him to Marty, which makes sense, you know, like that. I Because they're both so weird, you know what I mean? Like they're right. not weird, but, you know, they're unique individuals. They you require
1: know? introduction. Yeah. It
0: was like, OK, <laughs> yeah. you know, you guys got to. And I guess, you know, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility that I introduced him. I mean, it would make sense. But we were living at the skate house, you know, where the ramp was, you know, so it made sense too that we would connect, you know, that everybody in that scene would
1: connect. Sure. I would have liked to see a wider range of interviews. Yeah, in that's that, that would be my yeah,
3: one thing about it. I think that thing got turned into a different like, it, yeah. from, I think they started to try to do something and it became bigger than what they intended. Yeah. And that made people think like, how come these people weren't a yeah. part of it? My but it main... was really meant to be just about this core and
0: yeah. My main thing would have been like Sage. Sage from Portland. I mean, he wasn't originally from Portland, but Sage being someone that could speak for Burnside other than Red and Swim, Mike Swim, uh. whose idea it originally was to build a concrete underneath a bridge before Burnside, before the West Seattle Bowl, like, but in 1988, 89, he was the guy driving around looking for spots under the bridge. He's the guy that lived next to Schmitz park in West Seattle, where the original bowl was built under the bridge before maybe at the exact same time as Burnside started, you know, like, so swim's really like to me, in my memory, swim was the first guy that was consciously had the idea, like let's build, you know, Marty was drawing all the crazy things. So it was like swim and, and Marty, you know, and this other guy, of uh, ah. Troy Nichols. And, you know, but there was, like, a crew of people. And, obviously, Q-Man was always sort of the inspiration of, like, you know, from the more radical, like, punker perspective of, like, yeah,
4: we got it back. again,
0: You know, mm-hmm. so there's all... That's what I kind of missed in that film. And it's not a knock on it because it's good for what it is, you know? But, like, there could be... An, it just leaves the door open for another project, you know, which, you know, where you could we incorporate need- some of these other guys, you know, <laughs> of, like... The root of that thing you know because that idea that concept uh, in my memory is really a big thing is swim and he's still building part you know like i mean he's fucking and he's never asked for credit, never stood up and said look at me or he and he's one of the best he could skate the shit yeah as good as anybody back then and probably still to this day you Uh know like and uh and sage another big huge motivator you know because you see these people, you see these people like Red, because they're in Monk, because they're out there and they're big, huge personalities. But there's those other guys that are, you know, equally as important.
3: Fred Gall saves monks, I swear to God. I want to um, try to get Sage to do the podcast. I, I mean, he, that dude's just classic and comedy. And he's I so mean, funny. He's
0: such yeah. a good guy. He's yeah. a really good hearted dude. Have you, you know, um, I bet you that Sage smooth so many ruffled feathers you know that red left in his wake you know i bet sage was the <laughs> guy like took people out for beers and you know calmed people down and you know yeah. what i mean like probably did so much to
3: help all that oh one last question too the peace stone fucking frog left we got to talk about this was that one of I'm the right most left. epic i mean this <laughs> Is there a better P-Stone story three, than that?
1: three friends sitting on a fucking dock one day that you wouldn't ever remember. I put, I put it up originally that day, and that turned into such a thing that's so insane. The day such that, a that. classic P-Stone.
3: We I were mean, just
1: so stoked to see Stone, and I was just like...
3: Where was that, in uh, Spain? Oh, oh, yeah.
0: yeah, we showed up to Copenhagen to show the Body Corporate as like, he was know.
1: stoked because the fucking boys were back, you know. The they like, and we were like having some drinks. He just wanted to do a little fucking throw us a little something, you know what I mean? Like it was like, hey, you guys want to see your blog, man? <laughs> like it was just like he, he just got, you know, he was and he he just Hey,
3: when it was show time, that, he left. that was his first night of skate rock. He Stone put his camera bag in the car, and he's like, Spitty, you're filming this one alone tonight. And it was showtime. showtime yeah. And I, when he went showtime, it was just so sick. Yeah, yeah. But I that, remember
0: that I mean, night, you know, we were we had some uh, white Russians and that's, I think, what we were drinking. He was on a white Russian kick and that night he crashed. That was the funny thing about Stone. Like he probably could have had a hotel or he probably did have a hotel. I don't know, but he crashed at the <laughs> Christiania skate park thing. You know, the indoor bowl. Yeah and somebody I, when i got there in the morning someone's like dude i came here super early and stone was using a, a piece of plywood as a blanket like they showed up like it totally
1: makes sense yeah
0: he just pulled a piece of plywood over him it was plywood blanket out with a ah. fucking plywood I just, blanket
1: I think about it. You hey. just my fucking cottons cotton hey. fucking comforter no
3: he'd be like I'd you know what it. You think about it. what do you put in a fireplace you put yeah. wood keep you warm
1: if we get past one thirty a.m look out exactly totally you nailed it yeah.
0: yeah you've done enough um, time yeah but that i mean
1: anyway that was stone hyping it up it was just it was nothing it was no biggie it was just the fucking funny stunt you do with your friends right but it was such a classic and it was kind of towards the end of his life unfortunately so that ended up being a <laughs> that, well, what does he being, say in that clip like everyone can relate to it that's probably why it was so faint it was like oh yeah there's the most classic piece known ever what does yeah. he say in the beginning like, like he's his, taking off
0: his clothes and he's like oh man you know everybody here is so like just stuck and doing nobody does anything out of the ordinary man it's just, just time to do something out of the ordinary so, you know he's talking as him, he's taking the like clothes you. off and we're like right, yeah,
1: take a dip in the water <laughs> they never jump into
0: the water do anything out of the ordinary <laughs> Alright, yeah, hey, I'm just gonna just take the hat and shirt off real quick. I'm gonna do a little fucking frogman left. little something called frogman left. A little tucker out of the shirt. There you
1: go, little frogman left.
0: Just a little frogman left. No big deal. Come on,
1: Pista. Get it, piece of
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> That was an awesome struggle. <laughs> Frogman left. Oh, Frogman left. It was like a cold, rainy day. It wasn't even like... Wait, wait, wait we
1: had a little friction with the waitress because she was yeah. little... Because, you know, oh, yeah. a couple of dumb Americans. And so that's what kind of got <laughs> yeah. me. Oh, yeah, I can't have any fun around here. I didn't want to see something. You know, it was just like... I can, just want to stir it uh, up a little bit.
3: <laughs> I miss that fucker. Ah, uh, well, what else do we need to know before we wrap up? We're in a weird little. Well, yeah, we're not doing anything. We're in a oh. funny <laughs>
0: little. I mean, for in terms of warm blood, we we we're in a holding pattern right now for warm blood. I mean, obviously the trailer's up on our YouTube yeah. channel, you know, or whatever. But uh, okay. and that's where we'll like. I think on the YouTube channel we'll be adding like little thing, you know, yeah. like as well as obviously instagram but like just to have it live somewhere yeah. we have on our you know our youtube channel um huh.
1: i mean warm blood's the only thing we have cracking right now and it's a big project to get it out um and but as far as any other things at the moment uh, we're cooking up we have some good ideas we got we got those good ideas we were talking about earlier yeah we yeah. just
3: got hit, we gotta figure got there's to a finance, will, we got the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just trying to get
0: scratched together a couple fucking dollars right now. Okay. You know, it's it's peaks and valleys. You know, when you do, when you're just trying to create shit out of your fucking stupid brain. You know what I mean? And and we're yeah. not
1: like, and we're not we're not really business cons-
0: guys. You yeah. know, we just are trying to always just do something cool like that. We can have you know, what do you call it? Like that. We can be stoked on, you know? Yeah. And so it's more like, oh, when two things find each other, we we'll, you know, we can have a project that You guys <laughs> need
3: to open up an ice cream parlor, call it yeah. charcone, and just have fucking charcoal <laughs> cones all day. Oh, Char cone. We may yeah. do it out the
0: fucking alley. Um, or, the alley.
3: It could, all right. or it could be a barbecue joint you choose. You wanna yeah, partner up vegan barbecue spot.
1: We got an ice cream shop up front here that's failing, Ooh, so rather. maybe we can move in and just change
3: the name.
0: Yeah. We'll do a pop-up. We could serve ice cream and old shoes
1: Perfect. or new shoes. Done.
3: Is there Perfect. is there one dude on your list that you really have wanted to interview your whole life and either turned you down or you just didn't know well enough to get to, like – Is there like
1: a I think Jay Adams is the is the only cat you never I can think of that like skate wise we missed.
3: Yeah, I think so.
1: Skate wise.
3: I mean, there's Bill Murray for me. Farmer's working on it. Apparently, that's going to be my last podcast. Bill Murray. And then nice.
0: We we were backstage (laughs) filming. uh, What's that band? Band of Horses one time. And uh, we're just standing there, whatever, getting ready to shoot some Super 8. Or whatever, and uh, Bill Murray was there. And we're, I was like, "Damn, Charlie, look, that dude looks like Bill Murray." And Bill Murray heard me and turns around and just does one of his like Bill Murray's like, <laughs> some "Look," you know. And I was like, "Did he go out and intro? Did he intro?" The band? I think he introed the band. Yeah, that's wow. why he was there. Uh, it was during some Austin, Texas, fucking music festival thing. It wasn't South by. It was Austin City Limits. Austin um, City Limits. But uh, all right. Anyway, yeah. So we got to. See, we didn't meet him. He didn't even like, hey, yeah, shake your hand. He just looked back, like, yeah, it is you, Bill Murray. Dumb. Gave, fuck you, gave you
3: the conference. Yeah. Yeah, it was sick. It was pretty good. Okay. Cool. Well, anyway. how, how do you guys feel about ending it? We always end with a song, and I was thinking it would be appropriate to end it with Hubbard's Apocalypse song that you guys use in the credits for the movie.
1: Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. And that's a song just to give do you have that.
3: No, I figured yeah. I yeah. know guys that might be able to send it to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, like Jenny had never heard it when she I watched the movie. I, uh, I, Jenny I, had I thought never
3: heard it. I take a lot of pride in feeling like I thought I had all Grindlines collection. I might not have heard that either.
1: Yeah, I have, you know, so the Marty, Marty, good one, right? Marty, yeah. sent me, Marty,
3: dude, don't even get me started. Like his yeah, yeah. his lyrics and the way he orchestrated it with like simplicity, I mean, that's yeah. what that's punk. Like, even though it's so, not punk, it's well, you punk. know what,
0: I think Marty, you know, Marty. I was living with him one time in Seattle with him and Smiley. We had this little apartment and uh, he would wake up every morning and he would fucking listen to uh, Willie Nelson, like the old like teatro, teatro, whatever. Um, Um, Teatro, yeah. Teatro, that one with, you know, it's like Mexican sounding and whatnot. Yeah. And um, look at these fucking fools. And uh, I think it's more influenced by that shit than anything. Okay. You know, like Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson, and yeah, you know, riding around on the
1: rails when he was young and shit When, too, when hobo- you're on the
3: road that long, you get to listen to a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some long drives. Sure, well, hell sure. yeah, man. Thank you guys for uh taking the time. I, I, I've when I started the thought process of this, I was like, we could go for twelve hours. Yeah, easy.
1: <laughs> um. I was fucking psyched to hear we were doing it, man. Cool. I thought we got exiled hi, because I turned, because uh, I turned, um, there- I turned seven and say hi to Schmitty.
3: Never exiled.
1: What's up, you little fucker?
3: What up? <laughs> <Uh-oh>.
1: <laughs> Shit, <man>. Fuck <laughs> yeah. I'm talking right now, dude. Yeah. Oh, what? yeah. What? I was
3: like, what's up with the microphone? No, you you're, you're good. Your you're all the way on. nice. Yeah, <laughs> well, we were just talking about your oh, employee Sean Gutierrez, you know. Yeah,
0: talking about oh,
3: Guts. yeah, Gutsky. Oh, yeah. Gutsky. I, I called Gut today. I was like, Yo, do you have an IMDb page now? <laughs> uh, yes. All right, Schmied. big love, man. Good hanging and thanks Schmied. again. Appreciate that was it. You, thanks
1: for having us, dude. Almost
3: three hours, bro. I know. Sorry to take so much time. You got some editing to do, buddy. <laughs> all <laughs> right, what are you my... doing? later. Have fun.
2: Later. Go is headed its way and it's a gridlock down there on the interstate. I want to know, I want to know where I can go when this world is over.
5: Nothing's safe and nothing's free. We just wallow around in our own disease. I can't even see if I can feed my family with of the genetically altered seeds. Hell won't take me in heaven in terror. And my education in foreign affairs Find a safe place to go Come up with a plan A slap in the face To think that I don't understand Radiation's killing the trees Potatoes ain't growing In the grass and the concrete Police state Setting up camps Arresting anyone Trying to make a stand. Got no rights They went on the floor Soon as the foreign war came to your door Democracy Rumble it to death through the freedoms of the red, white, and blue. That's the way. Nothing'll last. Constitution is a thing of the past. Make it fast. Got no time to lose. And where I'm going, I. out on the interstate I gotta know, I gotta know Where I can go when this world is over There's a state, in my fate
4: in their hands They're producing my futures out of foreign lands I wanna know, I wanna know Where I can go when this world is over I
3: can't take you I can take you The apocalypse
0: is headed its way It's a gridlock out of the Kansas State I gotta know I gotta know where I can go when this world is over
5: It's all over
2: where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at talkingschmidt@gmail.com. at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout out goes to the executive director, cheryl camisa shout
4: out love
2: it this is talking schmidt where the rolodex is deep but the conversation is deeper keep
5: the wheels greased